3,000 miles, right? Uh, uh, uh. You don't, do you? You push it. Now you're so busy, you try to squeeze another 1,000 miles out of your oil. Well, squeeze this. Just to do it yourself when you have the time. Reformulated Quaker State. Protection beyond 3,000 miles under any driving conditions. Anybody say insurance? It's been tested. And unlike that lazy uncle nobody really likes to talk about, it works. Quaker State. Sensible technology. Oh. So, it's been a while. Really? Everybody that's listening right now, Steve and I, we we did such a good job like getting everything in order before my move. We haven't talked in like two weeks? A week? I don't know. It's been too long. It's been How a to while. You yesterday? Well, f- I'm talking on the podcast, oh, Steve, oh, not behind yeah. the scenes. It's, it's, where? Has it been, what, two weeks? I haven't seen no, your handsome no face in like a week and a half, maybe two weeks. I'm, I've been fiending, Steve, because I got a bunch of 90s shit right off camera here just to show you right now to prove to all these haters that we are from the 90s. And as such things, I found so many VHS tapes, Steve. Before we get into that, I mean, it's weird. It's a DVD, and I it's actually... Okay, the D, the disc is in there, but it did happen in the 90s. King of New York. Oh, little Frank White, Chris. a little Larry Fishburne, yeah. if you will. That happened in the 90s. Not Lawrence. Larry. Yeah. With that, with that Joker laugh, he... He's looking to get sprayed, laid, played, and slayed. You know what I'm saying? I heard that. <laughs> That's like the that would have been a great joke. In fact, was his name Joker in it? You know about that movie better than I do. Now I gotta look. Uh, you know, I don't think it's gonna say on the uh, but it's got Larry Fishburne, it's got David Caruso. Oh, there's another 90s legend. All that red hair, Chris Walken, Wesley Snipes. I mean, who knew? I forgot, yeah, he's he had a smaller role. I, f- I forgot all about that, man. But because go out and get him. Uh, because we're wrestling, we love wrestling. I just thought I'd start there. So right away, Steve, we got an ECW Extreme Revolution VHS. What the fuck do you know about that? That's what I'm saying. I don't even know why I have this, but I, I clearly hey. maybe you made a mark in my life or somebody got me into hey. this. So, because yeah, because I didn't know, I, I never knew you to be that into ECW to own something of ECW. Yeah, that must have been like, oh, I got some, I got some extra cash. I'm like, hey, that's available. I'll buy I mean, it. well, this is this is what is featured on this VHS tape. This we got a Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn from the 1999. Uh, we got Mike Awesome versus Masato Tanaka from 99. This is all a uh, very uh, late 90s, so 
Yeah, um, that's some good shit, man. Towards the end of ECW, uh, Tanaka and uh, Mike Awesome had some really good matches, and so did Jerry Lynn and RVD. Man, Jerry Lynn always reminded me of Lane Staley from uh, Alice in Chains. I, I uh, don't, but I need to see him. But I just gotta say, now that I'm reading, I haven't read the back of this, but this Mike Awesome Masato Tanaka match. Listen to the description. Listen to the poetic nature of this description. Human bodies reduce tables to splinters. Steel chairs smash brain cells. And skeleton rattling power bombs shake the ring as two merciless titans attempt to score their decisive pitfall in this legendary feud for the heavyweight title. I mean, did Shakespeare write this, Steve? Oh, uh, or uh, Heyman, Paul Heyman. That, I mean, that the sounds man like... has got away with words, apparently. I can't see real good. Is that Bill Shakespeare over there? Oh, he he's an embellisher, and he's a fellow Virgo. And uh, it just, yeah, man, I, I could see him writing all of that, man, verbatim. Well, uh, the other matches featured on this was a tag team match of the Dudley Boys versus Balls Mahoney and Spike Dudley. So apparently there was a rift in the Dudley family for a while. Oh yeah, they. Spike, I mean, you know, Spike had a little. He got a little testy. Apparently, he thought he was better than uh, Bubba Ray and Devon, but I, I don't think they won. Maybe they did. I don't know. Uh, I mean, but there's most two flaming of tables you, in the it, match it, apparently. It, so there, it was a flaming table match. That sounds pretty extreme. Yeah. And then the last one, Sabu versus Taz, which seems classic ECW. That's. Those are two of the hitters. So, yeah. Apparently, I was an ECW fan back in the day, Steve. But that's not it. That's I. There's much, much more here. We got Bret Hart looking like he's in the midst of a fat shit on WWF Wrestling's hottest matches, sizzling. What? What year is that? Um, where we got here? 1992, Steve. We got a 1992 edition. I mean, this is very. Okay vintage uh we got a best of monday night raw volume one <laughs> and to the what i consider the cream of the crop here best of wrestlemania one through i believe 15 i'm not good with roman numerals but i think it says 14 or 15 on there 14 maybe there's an x uh there's an x yeah that's 14 yeah so, yeah some, some hitters here so this, this is just the wrestling steve i found these just they're just here I, I don't know what else is here at this point but got those and then i'm just gonna go through these but there's a few funny ones here i just have to call out so half baked on vhs never gets well. old never does I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan. Uh, we got Mallrats on VHS. Oh, uh, who's your favorite new kid? Call me Donnie. <laughs> Call me Joey. Like Burt Reynolds and shit. Um, yeah. Was something we've actually talked about pretty recently. End of Days, the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic, special edition VHS. I don't really know what's special on this, but it's there. Um. Not one, but two copies of Money Talks, the Chris Tucker because it classic. Was... And the answer to all my dreams. Chris Tucker was that big of a deal. You had to make I sure. I had to buy just... two, Steve, just in case. Maybe I have to give one to a buddy just to, you know, who knows? Yeah. Man, why you ain't got no shirt on? <laughs> uh... 
And I mean, I don't, this one, this might go for some money. I don't know. An original, like this is the first VHS that came out after Jurassic Park came out. This is the OG movie. So, dude, it's still got that like fresh out of the plastic bling to the box. Oh, I'm, dude, I'm, I mean, I'm not fucking around here, Steve. We got Jurassic Park on VHS. I don't know how I'm going to watch these, but I got them. So, yeah, that was going to lead to my next question. But, uh, yeah. And then just a couple more, just to, you know, really cruise through. We got two Fridays. I mean, to me, the best, too, obviously. We got the OG here. And if you like Mike Epps and you want a little extra sauce on it, we got a little next Friday, too. Heavily quotable. We definitely get real nasty up in here. I said that in college a lot. Well, Auntie Sugar and Uncle Elroy. Yeah. And then, I, just because I love it, uh, it's a weird movie if you go back and watch it, like a lot of 90s movies, but the Mark Paul Gossler classic Dead Man on Campus. Um, yeah. The, the, basically, the gist of this movie is two guys go to college and start partying and fucking around and failing, but in like the terror of not telling their parents that they're not doing well they find a loophole in the bylaws of the college they're going to that if your roommate kills himself you don't you get a's i think maybe is that you get all a's so they don't try to kill somebody but they're trying to find somebody who's suicidal to find to move into their dorm and it's it's a whole thing steve but it is very funny Mark Paul Gosler's in it. There's got, a few other actors in the '90s. Really hot who, black chick. I don't remember her name, but really hot. So, who, who's the guy that looks like John Mayer on the? Uh, what's this guy's name? Um, we got Tom Everett Scott. So, yeah. I am not good at this. That guy, yeah. you know, yeah, he's he no Zach. Yeah, I can tell you that. No, he was not. I mean, he was in. A, he had a, a very small role in Boiler Room, the movie. Uh, the like. With, with Wall Giovanni Ribisi, yeah, I love saying Diesel. that name. I, I, he, he deserves more work. Giovanni Ribisi. He was, uh, That's another king of the like an unsung king of the '90s because he was in like. Remember that Nicolas Cage classic, Gone in 60 Seconds? He was heavily featured in that movie. So. Another one of Matt's collections. I remember oh, that It's DVD, in there yeah. somewhere. It was on DVD and, for sure. So. And uh, Suburbia, he was in that. And uh, he was the buddy. He, I think he was uh, Kevin Arnold's buddy in Wonder Years. And he was the buddy in some other shit in the 90s. Yeah, Giovanni. I remember Rizzi. that. Giovanni, look at you. Yeah. Right, but hey, you know, we got all I could bring out some starter jackets, Steve. I, I mean, the, this house is just filled with vintage Matthew Gettig. So, I mean, can you fit the starter jackets? I mean, I could fit two of me in these starter jackets, Steve. They were for a young fatter, Matt. And also, unfortunately, for the resell value of these, apparently my mom thought I was retarded or something. She wrote my name on all, like, in the tags of all of the jackets. So either she thought I was going to lose them or one of the young ragamuffin gohards in Ohio were going to steal them. But, you know, I don't know if anyone was scrambling for a Steelers or Penn State starter jacket, I mean, but you never know. I mean, so that she could identify you getting off the bus. You know, <laughs> someone man. else might have, somebody else might have the same uh, Pittsburgh Pirate uh, starter jacket, uh, but not a, does he have Matt on his jacket? No. Yeah, is this, no there, are you a clone son. or are you the real? It's like, remember that movie yeah. Sixth uh, Day with Arnold Schwarzenegger? You had to like 
pull it down and you had like a little marking that there wasn't that but you know you just have to double check there might have been another fat kid that just had the similar style bowl cut and uh sexy demeanor and you never know you just get confused at the bus stop so i get it i understand so the so the matte scribble isn't prevalent on the jacket it's in the it's on the tag steve i mean it's right there it's this on- is my mother's handwriting from three decades ago basically so it's right it's it's as clear as ever even now i can see that it's a matt Gettick, uh jacket and uh I, there might even be a dallas cowboys jacket in there for you steve i don't know if you want to rock it i i don't know how why did, it's there but it's there fuck yeah how did that end up in the Gettick household i I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but like when I was super young and before my dad had like instilled Steelers mania into my head, I actually was a Dallas Cowboys fan. So it took moving to Ohio and realizing, you know, these people are scumbag Browns fans. I need to like really just stick it to them. That's when I really cemented my love for the Steelers. And we, we actually talked about it. Uh, and clipped it out. And I got to say, Steve, the timing on that clip was so great because we talked about how Ben Roethlisberger had shut Browns fans up, how it was just, you know, easy. On the work. local, like, Ohio schools that Finley played when he was there. <laughs> and yeah. he did it again. He did it. I, I even talked shit about Mr. Roethlisberger, but I'm calling him that because he did it once again. He did that easy work we talked about. He shut Browns fans up one more time and actually I think has actually started the downfall of this new Browns dynasty before it even got started so so this that episode was responsible for it uh, that um Ben Roth I'd like to take a lot of responsibility for that and I see now OBJ and his father are now sort of hijacking his career he's not going to be playing for them anymore and it just looks like maybe the Browns have now started that the the downward spiral that we're all used to you know Cleveland Browns we know you're watching uh you, you saw that episode and you said you know what we don't want to be good anymore uh let's get rid of OBJ um and yeah let's make it hard for uh Baxter Mayberry uh yeah. whatever yeah Buster Johnny Mathis. Strawberry whatever his name is Johnny Manziel I mean I could say five names that I played for them recently but he's about to add to that you know that picture that's like a meme that's like a jersey just with the list of names Yep, yeah, add another one to the list, y'all. Just I get the one by the desk. <laughs> so, um, I gotta say, it was it was just nice to see Steve. So I don't want to harp on the Browns. I don't want to rub it in, really. I want to have some class. But I just, you know, I just thought the timing was really good on that. Yeah, hey, man. I, I there's always a time for petty. <laughs> Keeps things entertaining. Cheers, Matt. Put on your petty pants can't help it man. i just i i, I would I just had to withstand so much verbal abuse from ohio and while it did hey, affect me you know you too um so i think the can cowboys sympathize i i wish yeah. i could say that you know the cowboys need to do the same thing with the steelers but, did, but i don't know i don't know well, I, either one that you would have picked i think it would have been a thorn in those browns fan side because like i relate to what you said I, as a cowboys fan i caught shit from my my family my cousins my grandpa uh and, you know and if i it's Steelers, it's the same it's just like you're going to get hated on by motherfuckers who ain't never won shit that's the thing that concerned me the whole time where it was like am i crazy am i forgetting some kind of success or like blacking out and just not remembering at all but it's just I don't I want to call it delusion. I would like to call it, you know, glass half full syndrome, but they're taking it to a whole nother level. And 
like I said, I everything turns, everything, there's some, you know, way, ebbs and flows of time and life, but it seems like the Browns have a pretty consistent brand, which is to elevate their fans' hopes to the most extreme level and then just dash them on the rocks of the NFL year after year. I mean, I we have a longer season, and even with that longer season, I just don't see them coming back. So I might be wrong. You know, who knows? But uh, right now it feels pretty good, Steve. So yeah. good time I, I mean, to be I, don't wanna, I have a soft spot for the – the Browns because of you know being around them the fans for years man and uh they are my AFC team uh I, I just get it. yeah I, I would here's the thing they're like um you know the bad news bears or something you want to see them succeed in some way but as a fan of, the, of a team in their division I can't ultimately root for them but if they're not course, playing my team by all means, like today, they wall up the Bengals, help the Steelers out, and they got to win too. So hopefully, they feel good about that. You know, I you gotta think... you gotta cherish those little. <laughs> oh yeah! Anytime I can, I try to shit on Giants fans, Eagles fans, and uh, Washington. Hey, hey, Matt, what what is the name of the football team in Washington? It's Steve. It's the Washington Football Team. You didn't know that? It's I, I, I know. That's that's what I asked you. What what is the name of the team in Washington? The football What's team. On second. <laughs> what they're gonna land on one i just don't you know i don't know i, I kind of like the ring of wft it almost sounds it's like world poker tour it almost sounds like some weird organization i don't know what it is is it a football team is it you know a channel on cable access i don't know but you know they'll get that it's they'll just the front it's a it's just the front to to get your mind off of the 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 toddlers being made in the pizzeria up there in washington so so they they want to get all the attention to the washington football team with all the, the pandemic and the, the backs that'll make you turn into magneto all of that's going on meanwhile they want you to focus on the washington football team all that success you don't you got kids being molested in the basement of a of pizzeria i don't know anything about it but hey daniel snyder he's doing some right thing he's doing some good things over there in washington okay yeah you're watching a football game eating a piece of pizza and before you know it that piece of pizza tastes like your niece and you say to yourself what is going on why is there a child's blanket as one of the toppings on this slice of pizza it makes no sense oh and now I, it was all right steve q and they figured it all out <laughs> Make them say kill, kill, but not enough. So it's been it's been uh, too long, Steve. In the words of Stained, it's been a while, but it's good to be back. It's good to be back yeah. where it's warm and cuddly in the nineties. So the thanks 90s. for keeping it warm in the nineties for me, bud. Hey, welcome to the East Coast again, too, buddy. Um, wow, it's, a, it's it's it's. I sent you that picture, Steve. I, and actually, this I, I'm glad you brought it up because not only did I send you that picture of what I thought were two baked potatoes sitting on a seat, but no, those were citizens of Virginia. Um, but we had an interesting thing happen, and you know. We, as you and I, have experienced weird things that we've seen in public together when we were in college, whatever, what have you. Um, And, you know, Kendra and I in California saw a lot of weird or, you know, (laughs) strange things. And I thought moving to Virginia, moving to the East Coast, I maybe that would stop a little bit. But 
Um, we are in the process. We're still not moved into our apartment. What you see behind us is actually a room above my parents' garage. So I am living in my parents' house right now. We're waiting on our furniture to get delivered. But we've been sort of going back to the apartment. We have an apartment. It's just empty. So we're moving stuff slowly over there. And my parents live about 15 minutes away. And, uh, you know, we have to go to Walmart sometimes. We got to go to Target. We got to get those things for the house, the toilet paper, the, the bathroom, whatever, the accoutrement you need for an apartment. So we went over to Walmart. And uh, well, actually, we went to Ross, dress for less, because we are still trash at heart. We love Ross. Don't we all love a nice Ross? It's, it's, some, it's, it's some good finds in Ross. Yeah, yeah, it's some good kitchenware. No get, maybe no get, get a nice pair of shoes you weren't expecting to get for $20. It might be a little irregular. But anyway, we were... We were over there. It was about, I don't know, eight o'clock at night. It was late. Yeah. Um, and this place was in a big, it's yeah, it's a big complex. There's a big Walmart across this big parking lot. There's a Ross, there's a few other places. And we parked in this area and I was, you know, trying to get my medicine, Steve. It's a little different here. I did do, I have to hide it a little bit, but I was trying to get my medicine in the parking lot. Back to the Harshman days. Yep, exactly. exactly. Remember cruising, Steve? A lot of that. A lot of cruising and sitting. (laughs) Putting ourselves in jeopardy of getting arrested. Yeah, it wasn't quite that. We were parked. We were, you know, it was very safe and everything. But we look, you know, I I park in what I thought was a nice, well lit area just to sort of organize my thoughts and whatnot. And I look to my right. And um, Steve, what we witnessed was one of the most. Uh, I, I don't know what to say here. Surprising things. I don't know if it's surprising because the mantra of Virginia is Virginia's for lovers. Um, and that apparently that's very true because we look right to the right of us and there's two uh, young people having sex in a car, Steve. And they're not having sex, you know, in a way that nobody can see it. They're under the most powerful light in the parking lot. Uh, they're not hiding anything and they're completely naked and I can uh, I what I saw was thrusting um, I saw a lot of that and then I saw you know when um, it's always sunny when Dennis is banging the hippie chick and he's like Ugh, I saw that so we saw what time of day was this eight o'clock at night Steve and when I say these people were in a well-lit area I mean you couldn't have been in a more secure well-lit area you know it, it, there was no hiding it um, they didn't seem to care and why should they it's young love, I hope. Um, but it is love because we went into the store. We were laughing. We thought it was hilarious. And But we, of course, when we got out of the store, I was like, you know, we got to go over there to make sure what's going on. But you know, maybe they're still there. And they, if you a freak, just say that. That's really what y'all want. I mean, y'all want to go Steve, see if, I'm lying, if I'm if I, I'm not going to lie to you and say I wasn't interested and maybe hoping they'd call us into the car, there wouldn't have been enough room. But anyway, what I will say is apparently hey, Virginia yo. is for lovers because not only were those people having sex in public, when we went back for the second look, they were cuddling in the car naked, Steve. It was all good. But these people, very, I don't know if this is like a like a swinging thing that we're not aware of in the area or if these are just, this is an aberration. But again, I don't know if it's this. I feel like weed always does that. It, it brings you into the path of something weird. I don't know if you agree with that, but we definitely saw something weird. Well, it can. Yeah. Um, well, well, did they look like they were teenagers? I don't, you know, I'm going to say college kids because we are next to a college. Um, They look, the guy had some facial hair. So I, you know, me, I'm 38. I'm old. Everybody looks kind of young to me. But if I were to guess, I'd say 20s. 
But when I say twenty, okay. it wasn't a sexy twenties. It was a a mushy twenties. You know, a very magnetic early twenties type look. You know. Uh, man, it, they probably didn't have options. It's like, that's, I mean, we don't have our own place, uh, you know. <clears throat> that's kind of what I thought. You know, we've all been there. You got, like, for me, I remember yeah. going out on, like, Tinder dates and stuff. You didn't have a, I didn't want to take him back to, like, where my roommate was. So we're making out in the car. We're doing a little bit of that. Or even in high school. Very, a lot of that stuff. So maybe it was, you know, who knows. But it was young love, Steve. And I, I got to say, it, it's very apropos that Virginia's motto is, it's Virginia's for lovers. It's a rite of passage there. They're yeah. busting. And, and you know, some people like to be watched. You never know. Yeah, I mean, hey, if I can find whatever the the chat room is that gets you access to that group of people that's just out there being exhibitionist and busting in public, hey, I'm getting older. I need to, we gotta spice the me and Kendra gotta spice things up a little bit, I guess. Maybe we'll do some hey, Walmart love. Be careful, you know, that that, that could land you about five to ten. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we do have an apartment, Steve. It's not necessary, but hey, you know, it's nice yeah. to get to a new area and, uh, you know, feel welcomed. Feel very welcome. <laughs> Is there crotch waiting for you at the borders? Like, they just have them lined up? Like, hey, Virginia's for Wilbur's. Yep. It's, just the, it's instead of a rest area, it's a bust area. You know, mm-hmm. you just got to go. <laughs> Sign me up. Lord have mercy, I'm about to bust. That doesn't look like a regular door behind you. It looks it's like not. waste. Oh, it's like it's like a crawl space. It's like a Harry. You ever remember Harry Potter? They had him under the cupboard. Yeah, that's basically that's... where. That's where we're staying, Steve, in the in the crawl space. <laughs> look like you want to set up being John Malkovich. Is, is fucking Spike Jones there? Yeah. Hey, Spike, that's... what up? I'm gonna go bust in John Malkovich's. I make John Malkovich do crazy shit. That's that's what this is, Steve. That's why. Are, are you in his eyebrow? Like what yeah. part are you like? We're taught this is Malkovich, babe. Oh my goodness, man. Well, hey, boys and girls, this is. Way. And I'm sorry, Steve. I'm sorry. How dare I? Go ahead. Yeah. I, I wasn't ready to do it, anyways. What, what, what you got, Matt? I didn't have anything, dude. I just interrupted you for no reason. I apologize. I'm about to pour a shot and smoke a little spliffity bliffity. <laughs> oh, man, dude. It's good to be back. Shit, man. Does it feel different being on East Time now? Not really. I kind of tried to get it right into my same schedule I was where I'm getting up at like 7, so I... You know, especially with daylight savings time, I think it helped a little bit. We got that, we got an extra hour, so hopefully that helps out a little bit. But other than being significantly colder out, uh, you know, same thing, but I got to see all my family. So right away, that's why I came here. So, oh, Cali boy, they spoiled you. You, 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 you were raised in this. Yeah, I know, right? You forgot where you itch. came from. I'm I'm a biatch now, dude. I, if it's sub sixty, Matt's shivering. Matt needs his. I need a shawl. I need a warm shawl and a cup of a cup of hot tea. I do like that Toledo storm. I have, is this your first time wearing this on the show? I think I might have worn it before, but I mean, Steve. I mean, I got a. This is another '90s. This is. I this was. I bought this when I was in. Uh, junior high and I was that fat I can still fit in it as a 38 year old man so 
you know, for those of you who are fat as kids, go back into that closet if you've lost weight. Because a lot of the things you wore when you were 12 to 15, you never know. You might be able to fit in them. It's a little short. Yeah. You know, I think I I rock it good. I I hope the Toledo Storm are watching. If you guys need like a male model at all or, you know, spokesman, I'm right here. And the paint's not, it's still like intact. It doesn't look like it's faded. Um, No rips. So, yeah, man. Dude, you could probably eBay a lot of shit. If you still have a lot of stuff like that intact, like starter jackets, man, you could flip. I have a Cordell Stewart rookie card in a placard with a picture of Cordell why? Stewart. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why that got kept, but there's some Steelers fan who I bet is just raring for that, you know? So I, I, there's a lot of things. that The starter jackets... I'm trying to offload those. I got to figure a way to like scrub my name off the tag, but somebody, somebody can wear these. Somebody's going to buy those. There's some nineties aficionado out there that's just dripping in starter clothes and umbros and whatnot. And, uh, hopefully they're going to be on Facebook marketplace soon. Cause I'm putting these bastards up and I'm trying to sell these shits cause moving ain't cheap y'all. Facebook Marketplace. You're gonna go through Mark Fuckerberg. Hell yeah, dude. Fuck it. We can. It's a good platform. You know, it's not eBay up with time. like it used to. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we neglected time. We we need to like try to do business with time. Like, oh, hey, Tom, if you want to help hook me up with some sort of portal, I'm I'm happy to. I'm just trying to find buyers, so. That motherfucker we gotta pay for this cr- move, Steve. We gotta get this. We gotta get this West Coast money over to the East Coast as quickly as possible. So, Tom, holler at us, man. Like, dude, I ain't forget. Like, you used to let us make our own page, put music on that bitch, have like sprinkles coming down the. I was gonna say the home, snowflakes, home snowflakes, I mean, and uh, dope, dope boy snowmen and shit. Like, man, Tom, bro, you lit. I mean, it took. 30 minutes to load my main myspace page because of all the like accessory visuals i put on in music but hey that shit was kicking for about a year before facebook took over so tom call us yeah it, it kind of looked like my sophomore year roommate uh kevin my one of my favorite kevin. connects yeah it's something i always thought like when i first saw the tom thing it was like me it was like kevin kilpatrick yeah, it did. I mean, still, I mean, facially, it's a dead ringer. Was he, were, dude, were we with like a tech billionaire genius in the making? <laughs> See my missing tooth, I'm missing side blind. <laughs> oh, Kevin Kilpatrick, what's up? Shout yeah, out man. to Kevin. Canadians are cool. Happened in the fucking 90s, happened in the fucking 90s, happened in the fucking 90s, happened in the 90s, motherfucker. Warner Brothers presents David Spade and Sophie Marceau. Where have you been? He's way over on the pier. You bad dog, I should spank Ooh, you. Hey, I was way over on the pier too. In a new comedy about hot women. Are you alright? That's okay, I'm on the pill. Cool dogs. <gasps> Whoops. And that warm, fuzzy feeling. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> you didn't? There's, we're not, there's nothing. Lost and found. I'll go make the bed. Rated PG-13. Starts Friday, April 23rd.
Well, hey, boys and girls, this is Steve G and Matt G with Happen in the 90s, a show where we talk about things that happen in the 90s. So get out your Pedro Martinez jerseys and your No Limit Fatigues. Because <laughs> somebody has said you was looking for me. The man right here. <laughs> oh, what you want to go to? Down to? However you want to. Too many records are cut. So how is you signing? <laughs> God damn, Steve, you're starting this episode off with a bang. It's been a while. I'm just... Word to Aaron Lewis. <clears throat> yeah, but fuck you, Aaron Lewis. It's getting a little hard to even support the guy at all, but it has been a while. Speaking of which, we sidetracked Sally all over the fucking place, but Limp Biscuits album that just came out last uh, Sunday is pretty decent. Wow, um, what? Above my expectations. Uh, the expectations weren't that high. <laughs> yeah, they, they weren't that high, uh, considering everything. Uh, but they went past whatever the fuck that was. And uh, it's called uh, Still Sucks. That's the name of the album. Oh, wow. So, Limp Biscuit Still Sucks. Did we get. Um, oh, wow. Fred, taking yeah. a little self deprecation route. That's, I like that's that. That's the jab. He, he went the Marshall route. He's he's taking he's doing like the a mile thing. He's he's covering all the bases so the bullies can't get out there. He's getting ahead of the game, you know. I, I take notes like yeah. I, I'll talk about my ears before any of you sons of bitches. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. the fucking bitch. I mean, you I got take to. all the fucking heat. You take the ammunition. Take the ammunition away from him, Steve. Didn't hurt them all, Gina. I didn't hurt them all. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be talking about everything November 11th in the news mm. and. We're talking about a living color again, and we're talking about the one and only man up in Seattle, Fraser Crane. That motherfucking Fraser Crane, dude. And it's such a—I mean, it's—we're getting into some great vintage in living color and C- Fraser Crane. I gotta say, these were two fucking—I I almost busted when I watched it, Steve. I was very excited. <laughs> And once again, I feel like we cheated some other shows out. This was difficult, man. That's why, like, I thought about doing a poll. Let's go live. Let's ask the people what they want. And it's like, ah, no, that's too much work. Yeah. They probably won't even we don't, Like, we get, like, two votes. It's like, well, <sighs> you know, I don't, whatever psychopath is voting. A waste of time that was. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, but I got to say, it is, it is very hard week to week when you send these lists, like, just first of all to know what we can cover in the time and what's available for us to watch it seems like we're getting like hbo max is getting a lot of these things now so we don't have to worry i'm glad you said that <clears throat> they're getting Christmas a lot came. dude they even have fucking martin now dude oh my god dude, oh I mean, yes i was i always was wondering when that was going to happen because after it left syndication or at least in my i haven't had cable in forever other Same. than I think maybe MTV or somebody playing it for a while. Somebody was playing it, but it wasn't, I wasn't watching it. I had to buy the DVDs. So it's good to see. It's good to see we're getting that now. Dude, it caught me off guard. I'm going through HBO Max doing my usual. What the fuck is up today, HBO Max? And it's just like, whoa, Christmas came early this year. I, I just, I, I stopped and then I kept going in, in the house, the LL Cool J. Oh. And then I kept going. Parenthood with Faison Love and Robert Townsend. Okay. Uh, I kept going to the Jamie Foxx show with with Fancy. Steve, see, somebody's figuring it out. And they also got TGIF. 
all those yeah. shows they're on there too so i mean hbo I, again you guys if you're if you want to give us a call too we love the brand and uh i will not say and i will not besmirch hbo max at all i'll besmirch paramount plus peacock fuck even hulu i'll besmirch hulu, them all day yeah but hulu you dropping the ball on some shit you you do redeem yourself every now and then but uh, yeah, you're in the hot seat. But HBO Max, they came into the fucking fourth quarter like goddamn Jordan. Mm. And I just love to see it. I just, again, now that's on there, the we need younger generation. We need people that are younger to just see Martin in all its glory and realize it's not going to get any better than that, guys. It's not going to get any better than that. Watch it, consume it. Just keep it going. I don't want to lose that. I have the DVDs, but the the access to that. Good job, HBO oh Max. Thank you. And the, the Jamie Foxx show. I don't want to like go like take like not get flowers to all those other shows because just as happy to see those. But Martin, just it's Martin. It. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, 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 it's the it's the top of the. It, if you got that, you got the gold medal. It's not going to go away. You don't have to worry about it. So. Did you miss me? <laughs> yes, we did. We definitely did. We did. A lot of stuff happened, man, in November 11th in the 90s, man. We we have uh, In Living Color. Uh, we got Frasier uh, thinking that they can pawn some shit off only to get got For in me. the end. Uh, interview with the Vampire. We were just talking about, I think, the last episode. Uh, we got some Tim Allen as Santa Claus. We're getting Quentin into that Dino. time of year too, where where the, these are just some good epic. Where all, we're getting the the Thanksgiving, the Halloween, which you just covered. We're about to get some Christmas. I mean, I'm about to start crying, Steve. I just can't hold back the emotion anymore. Man, we'll make it. And in 1990, on November 11th, and Living Color is airing episode 21. Uh, the OG cast, for the most part, is all there. Uh, the Wayans family, Tommy Davison, the, the Dag, Takiya, Crystal Kima, Kelly Caulfield, and of course, Jim Bong, Harry. I mean, just to see Keenan come out, do the intro, always right with the world. We, we had to cover a, a later one where that wasn't the case, um, but this one, Steve, is a banger. We watch some, and you know, you get a, 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 a and a, like a, a skit that maybe wasn't as good as the other ones. This one, they're all heaters, and they're all little racy, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> and this is 1990. This is how we start in the decade off. You know, we're just on that. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I'm seven years old, and I'm just my head's exploding. You know, man, they're saying cuss words. This is cable. Can't believe it. Uh, now, now Keenan introduces the show wearing the latest fashions from the Rue McClanahan series. And uh, <laughs> the, the first skit is Magenta Thompson's acting school. Uh, and it's Kelly Caulfield. Uh, and I feel like she doesn't get enough credit. Uh, she held it down like the whole tenure of this show. And uh, she's reoccurred in other like sitcoms in the 90s. But she plays Magenta Thompson, some like uh, run of the mill actress. And she's having she's teaching an acting school. Uh, and she tells one of the students that some former actor told her uh, some people were born to act. Some people learn to act. And then there are people like you. But then she persevered through it all. Uh, and that led her to landing her first gig in the movie Friday the 13th. 
Turns out, though, Steve, uh, she pops the tape on of that role, and uh, I don't think she made the cut because it appeared she pulled a D. Reynolds and just tried to, like, mug for the camera, and she's like, oh, my God. And it shows Jason, like, you know, doing what Jason does, about to kill somebody. But instead of killing her, when he gets her, he's like, get out of my way, bitch. Out of my way, bitch. Because <laughs> she wasn't supposed to be there. The person he's about to kill is right behind her waiting. And uh, I don't know. Magenta Thompson's acting school. I don't know how much credibility she has in Hollywood. Because it appears she's just jumping onto set and trying to get some camera time and not succeeding very well. Um, <laughs> Troy McClure ass bitch. <laughs> So they start going through, this is an acting school, so they have to go through exercises. Uh, We do find out that this class is only $15 a class. You know, you're not breaking the bank. You know, we got a loose 20, maybe take an acting class with Magenta here. Um, (laughs) But she gets a call from uh, in the middle of the class from her, I guess like her assistant or agent or somebody. And uh, bad news, she didn't get the part. Surprise, surprise. <clears throat> so she just got to like pull it together. Like all good actors, that's part of the lesson. You're yeah. not going to get all the parts that you go out for. And I guess she was really hoping for this one. She takes it a little bad, but like a good actor, she gets right back on the horse, starts teaching. Um, and she starts showing her reel again, or the class is continuing to watch it. It appears that in every scene, she is just being pushed out of the way. And the only quote is, get out of the way, bitch. I'm away, bitch. Away, bitch. <laughs> and By then, the way, you know, this is the main reason I wanted to watch this for this. this one, I, I didn't remember this, but man, you said it in the quote, and I was like, "What?" You were like, "Man, you watched it, right?" And I was—I didn't understand yeah. what you were talking about, but as soon as I yeah. saw this, I was like, "Oh, Jesus Christ!" So we get Dag, we get uh, Tommy Davidson's in it a little bit. Um, at one point in this class, even though she's a teacher, one of her students actually has to leave a little bit early. Why? To go act. And yeah. she's like, what, you sleep with the guy? Like, there's no way you could be an actress. But, the, you know, even her students are surpassing her. So Magenta, all the best. But I don't think you're going to be winning any Oscars anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, Takia Crystal Kima, she had to leave the class early for an acting job, stirring a bowl of dog food. And, uh, you know, she's just downtrodden this uh, magenta and uh, she's just going into like, what is the character's motivation? And she does this whole thing where she's like, how does she feel about being pushed out of the way by this guy being treated like something he stepped in after she took him into her apartment, into her bed? And what did he leave her? Nothing but that cold sore that took her two weeks at the free clinic just to get rid of. <laughs> Yeah, so you know, Magenta, she ain't she ain't winning a lot in Hollywood. Uh, and even like this, 
her reel is actually sort of affecting the way she teaches the class, like you said. She explains that story. But another thing, when she runs the exercises, the only thing these other actors, students have to go off of is her reel. So all the yeah. acting is somebody approaching somebody and the other person going, get out of my way, bitch. <laughs> so. Yeah, but David Allen Greer, the way he says it. <laughs> yes, out my way, bitch. Out my way, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. But this, I got to say, what's her name again? What's this? Uh, Kelly, Kelly Cofield, Kelly, right? Yeah. <clears throat> she played, this is a role that she had perfected. She played this so many, like the salty white woman smoking a cigarette, being trashy. Um, like, I don't know if you remember her character in Scary Movie. She was a teacher in that. But she was always carrying uh, a baby, smoking a cigarette. And like this she was a teacher in the movie and she was always like one of the students was she was fucking and the kid was her she was just like a trashy teacher in the movie so very much the mm. same vibe of this just in a she perfected this white trash role very well so salute to kelly I, she was one of my favorites in in living color for sure man and uh, uh go ahead. i was gonna just go on to the next skit if we're ready oh yeah listen yeah, this one is uh, wild. Uh, this is the Foundation for Golf Heritage skit uh, starring Jim Carrey as uh, J.D. Bud Simmons. Uh, there you go. And uh, J.D. is a membership chairman for a golf course in Birmingham, Alabama. And he's just addressing uh, some controversy from his golf course that his course doesn't allow black people to play on it. Um, he doesn't do himself any favors immediately by showing he's like, look, we let black people on the on our, in our golf course. As you can see, there has always been a place for blacks at our club as long as they're not holding one. And basically it's this is just a giant racist infomercial with JD saying things like what you see on Steve's uh, uh, behind him here, uh, one of the, his catchphrases is, we don't eat our greens, we play on them. So <laughs> Now, what we have is a failure to communicate. If golf God has always been a white man. to mains. play golf, he wouldn't have made it so expansive. <laughs> we didn't say anything when the blacks took over basketball. <clears throat> and he, so he's addressing this, but he's also addressing like, Oh, he's like, he says, look, we have some video footage of what actually happens when you let black people golf. So they cut to uh, Dag and Tommy Davidson looking like Run DMC on the golf course, basically just doing crazy <laughs> shit, alley-ooping golf balls to each other and shit. Doing the cabbage patch, the kid in play, dressed in all black with leather hats. So... This is just a plea to all the white people to just support him, his golf, his racist golf course, and all racist golf courses. Because I kind of do remember this. This is a pre-Tiger Woods era where golf was very white. In fact, it was completely white. And I do remember a controversy. Maybe it was a more close to when Tiger Woods became famous. But a lot of these golf courses, even when we were in college, had these racist old school rules that were just, they never changed at all. So this isn't far off, I think, you know? Didn't didn't we talk about this in the Designing Women episode we covered? Like, wasn't that a part of the, the storyline? You're right. 
See, yeah. we've already. This is a a big '90s thing, and uh, but this is hilarious to see Jim Carrey just acting a scumbag fool in this is so good. Yes. And uh, yeah, if you agree with him, uh, you just need to write in, and you get that free racist bumper sticker that he's holding up behind Steve. So. To all you racists out there, give Jim Carrey a right, and uh, if you don't want black people to golf, but th- this hasn't aged well because, uh, of course, Tiger Woods went and obliterated all this. So, pretty much, shout yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's a little dated. Uh, in the next scene, it's uh, it's kind of a, a meh, kind of a blowover uh, skit, but it does touch on some realism because I've encountered women like this. Uh, not to say that there aren't men like this who are just as insecure, but uh, so Tommy Davidson and Takiya Crystal Kima, they're on a blind date and they're at the movie theater and immediately just she just throws things off. Um, well, it's he, very Tommy much Davis, like that. Yeah. Oh, you don't think I'm be- like you didn't yeah. say I'm pretty like those things, you know, he um, they're basically everything is. Oh, am I a joke to you? Like she kind of turns into Joe Pesci and Goodfellas a little Thanks. bit, you know. Everything is a, a fight, so it's not going well. Like you're not. It's like a, a lose lose situation. However you respond is just going to be taking the wrong way um, because he starts off like, "Hey, uh, we're going to have a great time." You didn't think you would? No, I thought I'd have a great time. Okay. And then he says, "Like <laughs> you're a lot prettier than Susan said you'd be." Oh. What do you mean? Did she say I was ugly? No. And then he's like, oh, she said that you were a court stenographer. I've never met anyone that, she said, what? Do you think I'm stupid? I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? You think my job's goofy or something? Very Joe Pesci energy. I mean, even at one point, Steve, Tommy Davidson is basically backpedaling this whole time, just trying to smooth over this thing so he can get to like the make out, the... The, the good part of the date, but it's just not even, he calls her perfect at one point, and she's like, you didn't say nothing about my neck. Yeah. Like, uh, what am I gonna do? And I gotta say, Steve, Evelyn, who is Tommy Davidson's very picky date, she needs to worry about that fucked up hairdo. Because it looks like somebody burnt half, like, straight up torched the top of her. It's just some shit's going on. It's like, why are you so, why is this not going though? You need to just accept whatever you're going to get, Evelyn, because you're not making it easy. She's rocking that Jolene from the real I mean, world. God damn, how much heat went under the top of that hair? It just looked like burnt to a crisp. But Tommy, he just can't win, Steve. He, he, he even compliments the woman's tits, which I don't even know. He says something about big, beautiful tatas. Big, I don't bodacious know. tatas. Exactly. You got big, bodacious tatas, all right? Like, I don't know if that's the the move at this point. It seems like you're not going to win. This is just like at, at this man. point, he was just like, yeah, Libby, I, I don't care at this point. Like, you can only take so much because you, you said like he tried to like smooth things over. And then, like, there's something shit over here. Like, let me smooth that over. They're like, oh, uh, you know what? Fuck it. You got big titties, bitch. <laughs> yeah, like, maybe this is going to work. I don't know. Like, but what do you- <clears throat> it doesn't, Steve. And then he's like, you know what? Here's a quarter. Call a cab. Find some help. Have some popcorn. I'm out of here. <laughs> so, honestly, you probably saved yourself a, a, just a lot of wasted time just you know you're not even getting to enjoy the movie at this point so you know it's not worth the nut and evelyn is so 
she's just so in need of a man at this point she tries to even just get another guy in the theater who looks kind of interested for a moment to sort of come and like join her and even that guy's like uh no bitch and he even pours his popcorn on top and is just like bye and uh fun fact the gentleman that poured that popcorn into her box was uh the oldest wayne's brother uh dwayne wayne's Dwayne Wayans, wow. Dwayne Wayans, he's the eldest, older than Keenan. Yeah, Dwayne. He, he does. He's he pops up. He has little cameos just like that throughout the show and other Wayans productions. That's a nice pop up video. That's like a good Snapple fact. See, I like that. I didn't know that. I, Man, you I'm just learned me some. You just educated me. I love it. So shout out to Dwayne Wayans. Who knew? What was he doing? Is he just in the background? Was he like the money man? Like, what was his expertise? I wonder. He had to add some to it. Uh, well, outside of being the eldest Wayne's brother, uh, he actually was involved in the um, in the film industry. Oh yeah, no, it's cool. See, the Wayne's family—they kept it in the family. That's smart, awesome, and I didn't know that fact. So thank you, Steve. You are the expert. Nasty. Now, the final scene is Laquita Sings the Blues. It's a spoof of I Love Lucy, but it's I Love Laquita. And, and it's also uh, a spoof, I believe, of the Billy D. Williams movie, Lady Sings the Blues. That I think it's, it's yeah. just an amalgamation, but I got to say, but, Steve, yeah, Billy D's in this, the real Billy D. Um, but <laughs> Ivory uh, Wayans is got he's he's killing this impersonation he's killing this have a nice code 45 <laughs> dude oh my god yeah. steve that's one of your best that's one of the best Lando here <laughs> so yeah, this is like lucy laquita uh laquita is the lucy of this and um she is uh in her, they're in their apartment. Uh, the actual woman who's playing Lucy, and there's like a Lucy in this that's her friend. She comes over just to get some slim fast. Oh, Ethel, shoot played by Kelly Caulfield. Yeah, exactly. It, and uh, on the radio, uh, while they're talking, there's an announcement that there's a Billy D. Williams imposter on the loose, and uh, he's he's thieving. He's a little, obviously looking sexy if he's you know looking like Billy D. Uh, but anybody who looks like Billy D. Williams, you're not supposed to let them into your apartment. But she, she ain't listening. She didn't get. She didn't catch that. They left. But there's a there's an imposter Billy D. on the loose. Steve, watch out. He'll be here all night. Lando <laughs> be serving you here. <clears throat> so they. Or uh, Jim Carrey plays the uh, Ricky Ricardo type guy, Laquita's husband. Uh, he's not really in this too much, but he he does a couple of things. Laquita, you know, he gives a couple of good performances here. But um, as uh, they're sort of talking in the living room, Billy D shows up. Billy D Williams. Oh my! Well, do you want my arm to fall off? Or is it, Steve? He shows well, up and he's looking hot as hell, but I don't know. Is that Billy or is that Willie D? Well, yeah, they they leave. Uh, Ricky leaves, Jim Carrey leaves, and it's just Ethel and uh, Laquita. And then Billy D knocks, in, knocks on the door, played by Keaton Ivory Wayans, and immediately Laquita kicks Ethel out. 
and she sits him on the couch and tells him that, hey, I can do the best reenactment of uh, Diana Ross and Mahogany. Or <laughs> it was a Mahogany or Lady Singh, one of the two. Yeah, I forget and, what uh, she says, but she's raring to go. She she wants to impress Billy D. so. And like, as she's heading to the bedroom, uh, Keaton Ivey, the, the imposter of Billy D. Williams, he cases the joint to see like whatever, whatever he could take. And he ends up going into the kitchen. While he's in the kitchen, Ricky comes back with the real Billy D. Williams. By the time they get in there, Laquita comes back and she does her Diana Ross reenactment and throws water on Billy D. Williams. And he's just like, he's still like blown away by her performance. He sees something in it and he's like, oh, it's a pleasure meeting you, Laquita. And she's like, well, we just, we already met. What are you talking about? No, um, I don't remember then, that. <laughs> yeah. So then for some reason, he, I think he leaves the room to clean off the water. Goes to the bathroom. Yeah. To it's dry very himself like, off. Uh, what's that English guy like the show? What's that fucking show? Benny Hill, yeah, exactly. Very Benny Hill esque skit here. And then the fake Billy D comes back, and Laquita doesn't really clock that they're different people. She's seen both of these people, but she's just like enamored with Billy D. She's caught up, even Jim, like Jim. Obviously, I was like that too. I was like, which one's which? I don't know. But then when we get to a point here where both Billy's come into the same room together. It's who, who, what's the, who's the real Billy D, Steve? Are you gonna believe this clown? He doesn't have any class. <laughs> and she says she knows, uh, the, she'll know. Laquita has a way of figuring this out. Uh, she makes Billy D do a scene from a movie uh, where it ends with him kissing her, I believe. Yeah. So, the real Billy D does it first. And she's like, you ain't Billy D. He, he even lays a smoocher on her. And that's when it, she, it sinks in. It's like, that's the real Billy. But Keenan Ivory Waynes is like, you're not going to let me get a kiss. And she's like, ugh. Kiss you? I'd sooner kiss my own brother. <laughs> it is Easter a brother. egg. Oh. I see <clears throat> what they did there. And... You know, Billy D is tonguing down Kim Wayans with with her pretend husband just standing there looking like a cuck like this. <laughs> yeah. ah, but I mean, honestly, Steve, my wife. if Billy D walks up on somebody's wife, that's probably going to happen. You know, I I'm not I'm not a man of like sexual prowess of a Billy D or, or the suaveness or the debonairness of a Billy D. Williams. I wish I can hope to attain that someday, but. Billy D, even now in the state he is, just uh, still probably just swimming in pussy. My apologies for dicking down your wife in the driveway. <laughs> Have a code 45 on me. And I got to say, also, I don't know how many times it happened, but Billy D got to do the sign off on the show that when they ended the, in living, the actual episode of In Living Color. And not only did he do a sign-off, Steve, this motherfucker, in whatever age he was, just starts breaking out, doing some, knocking out some push-ups. Grown man strength, I man. mean, just, and they are good form, too. I, these, these were good push-ups. These were solid push-ups. So, Billy, he was in prime Billy D at this point. Oh, yeah, this is peak, man. He's fresh off those uh, 
Colt 45 commercials. Uh, you know, he, he's getting those residuals from Star Wars. And the strength is in the hair, Matthew. Uh, you, you said that you don't recall ever seeing a black uh, mullet. Huh, you must have forgot 1990 uh, era Billy <laughs> D. Williams. I tell you. I kept that shit straight, Steve. It wasn't high and tight, but it was sexy. And I, I just got to say, shout out to Billy D. This motherfucker, decades long resume of movies, women, I'm sure, TV. I've always loved him. I was a huge fan of Star Wars when I was a kid. Lando, one of the baddest motherfuckers in Star Wars, one of the sexiest Star Wars characters. Probably Shout out to Lando. But uh, my favorite Billy D. Williams role is in the Ladies Man movie that they made with Tim Meadows. He was a big part of that. Yeah. And he was like the narrator of it, too. And it... It's just vintage Billy D. I mean, I, I don't. If you don't like Billy D. Williams out there, anybody listening or not listening, if you don't like him, there's something wrong with you. Get, go find Jesus. American treasure, he is. <laughs> and he's still around. He's killing it. He's got. He's got. He got a Lando movie. I mean, he was in. They gave tribute to him as a character in Star. I don't know. The movie wasn't great, but you know, he was cool in it. Uh, and uh, just I love me some Billy D. So shout out Billy D. Williams. Keep killing it. Hey, free coat forty fives if you can, buddy. <laughs> Is that still a thing? Is Colt forty five still exist? I had a coat forty five in preparation for this show a couple of days ago. Well, I mean, you're nothing if uh, committed, Steve. God bless. How was it? Was it as smooth and delicious as Billy D made you think? It tasted like struggle. <laughs> it's yeah. some good malt liquor, but goddamn, Steve. What do you expect? Yeah. How it, much did it, it cost, it, Steve? How much does a Colt 45? What first of all, size of a Colt 45? Is it a tall boy? Is that what I'm uh, thinking? They don't, they don't do metal uh caps anymore or at least with this one they didn't it was it was plastic it was it was like a phony coat 45 it's just like what the fuck what's this yeah i, I blame the new millennials matt fucking um, part participation award fucking coat 45 <laughs> i don't like to hear that and i'm sure billy d wouldn't like to hear that steve but you know i don't think they could even afford billy at this point it's just a memory it's a beautiful memory it's a beautiful ad many beautiful ads that he gave them so again sorry i'm sure it's it's another it's like a time capsule thing you know you gotta have a cold 45 every once in a while just to remember what the 90s tasted like he was no. think about it bro he was so cool he made malt liquor seem classy there was a time when motherfuckers didn't think no, like, oh yeah, Billy D shit, oh yeah. Let me give you a couple of times. Billy D's drinking it. I'm drinking this shit. Like he probably how much business did he get to Cole 45? Because he like he put his name on the brand, Steve. They did numbers more yeah. so be than before, I'm sure. And if nothing else, the ads, I mean, look at the print ads. It's like Billy D in a tuxedo with a woman. I mean, for some reason there was even like champagne glasses. Maybe people are drinking champagne or cold 45 out of a champagne glass, but he was making it look like you were going to the Met Gala uh, and you were dressed to the nines, surrounded by classy people, you know, the elite of the, the Fraser Cranes of this world, if you will. And uh, you were just drinking cold 45s at these events. And I gotta say, it's because he is that slick and smooth. 
it's a it's unfortunate that the taste of a cold 45 isn't as slick and smooth but what do you expect yeah man it, it tastes like uh, late payments it's like it's very it's probably in that realm of like a king cobra you know like one of those it's yeah. like one of those where it's like desperation drinks like steel reserve that drink where it's more like a function to get you as fucked up as possible it's one of those things it's not like you're not looking for a smooth finish or a a note of oak or you know rose petals you're just trying to get fucked up i i retract my statement uh coke 45 tastes like payment arrangements Still reserve tastes like late payments and not just any late payment. It, it tastes like uh, just right before uh, they cut your shit off. It's the uh, day before. What... It's that day before where you're like, I could pay this bill or I could buy this steel reserve and just get like fucked up and just worry about it tomorrow type things. And it's that moment right before they cut the, the lights off. You know, well, it is 1157. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but shout out Billy D, man. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna try to get a poster of one of those Colt 45 ads and just, I, I feel like I need to have that up somewhere in my new apartment. I, I gotta give tribute to one of the smoothest men in history. So maybe my have wife wouldn't ball. be happy about that, but you know, it is what it is. The corporate thing just didn't work for me. I mean, that's just the politics, but the whole backstabbing, water cooler, chit-chat, and all that, well, garbage. So one day I'm online and I find Beyond.com. Before you know it, I got a home office and I'm living life on my own terms. With Beyond.com, I can stay at home and order all the software I need for my business, and it can be downloaded or delivered to my door. I'm as free as I want to be. Oh, hi. I think it's a great arrangement. Now, in 1994, on November 11th, Interview with the Vampire, the Vampire Chronicles premiered in theaters. Uh, A vampire tells his epic life story, love, betrayal, loneliness, and hunger, starring Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Stephen Rhee, or Stephen Rhea, Antonio Banderas, Christian Slater, and Kirsten Dunst. Man, this is just like a fucking all-star of teen heartthrob like heartthrob dudes kirsten dunce when she was a little girl i mean i she was like 14 and then she was very young she was 12 and i steve for the life of me i mean i remember this i watched this movie i wasn't a huge fan of this movie I, i know a lot of people are but this is more of that this is twilight before twilight i feel like a lot of women watch this and just really just just got soaked the seat you know in the theater yeah, man. I mean, it, it was a, a lust fest of uh, a fantasy uh, gore. Yeah, for, for, but for it women. also had that weird overtone where Kirsten Dunst is like a young. She's a vampire, I believe, in this. Like, she, but yeah, there's like a weird sexual chemistry between these older. Van- it's very. They're blurring the lines a little bit. Like in, remember the movie The Professional with Natalie Portman as sort of like a young teenager. Yeah. Sort of that same vibe where there's like this weird. That's only I don't hate to keep saying vibe, but there's just this weird vibe in the movie where there's a younger child in it, but there's also this weird sexual energy, and maybe that's like because vampires are always sort of portrayed in some capacity is have like some sexualized way energy like when you become a vampire it's just like you start talking like this like 
you're like one of those swinger guys who's always like massaging his chest hair and stuff like yeah, yeah. we're in the lifestyle you know like one of those guys yeah you get an eight pack ab set and yeah shit. you're fucking in a car it's not fucking in a car in a walmart parking lot it's more like you get a mansion it's a mansion party type situation where some guy in a bar is like you know if you come over on saturdays me and a few of my compadres are just you know experimenting with each other yeah i don't like the way you presented that uh hard pass carol if you're in there i'll see you at the office tomorrow just bring the bowl you can finish the egg salad my god why people cr- <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna close my tab now <laughs> can i present my what, keys yeah and what was your name um ugly jason <laughs> all right uh steyer i gotta go <laughs> yeah uh, and actually, Kirsten Dunst, uh, this was her first on-screen kiss uh, with Brad Pitt, and it, there was an 18-year age difference between them. Uh, and in an interview, she revealed the scene had made her uncomfortable. Uh, man, I wonder why. Uh, she remarked, I thought it was gross because Brad had cooties. I thought. Uh, I mean, I was 12. Yeah. I mean, now she'd probably be singing a different tune. And here's another thing that just like... It's, I, I respect Brad Pitt. I like Brad Pitt. I really enjoyed his career. But I got I found out today or sometime this weekend, the dude's like 65, Steve. Get the fuck out of here. How old is he, babe? He's not 65. 57. I'm sorry. He's a 57-year-old man. Yeah. He does not look like a 57-year-old man now. Here, this was Brad Pitt when he was just... You know, when people just win all the chips in poker and it's just like the chips were women, Steve. And Brad Pitt was winning all of them at that at this time. So shout out, Brad. Shout out. Look at Tom, though, trying his best, but looking very like a fop, like a British fop. Yes. Yeah, Tom, your peak was in the 80s. You know, when people didn't realize you were a fucking tool. Yeah. I mean, it's. They're trying, like, now, it's kind of weird now because both of those actors are still, like, prevalent actors. They're trying to, like, but I feel like Brad Pitt, like, he's untouchable. Now Tom Cruise has this, they the luster's worn off, and it's all very weird, or they're just trying to put him in, like, another Mission Impossible. Or um, I saw there's a Top Gun reboot that's coming out, which, I mean, I don't know who was clamoring for that fucking thing, but... Lord have mercy, I'm about to bust. There it is. And, yeah, man, I, I, to me, this is just me. I, I feel the same way about Sandra Bullock, but, you know, a lot of people obviously love her. But I, I, I think his brand is ashy. I don't, I mean, there are some Tom Cruise movies, and I, I'll say, like, the first two Mission Impossibles... I was into it. I enjoyed those. Um, there was a Steven Spielberg, uh, made re- whatever he made war of the worlds. I don't necessarily think that movie was good because Tom Cruise was in it, but it wasn't a bad movie, but I feel like I am agreeing with you in that anything that Tom Cruise, especially now is in, I'm not, I might avoid it. Honestly, you don't even, you're glib. Eyes wide shut was cool. But it's a Kubrick movie. Like, you were going to watch that whether or not Cruise was in it or not. It didn't matter. I mean, very cool movie. Very weird movie. But there, was there's another. Last one. Yeah, it was. And uh, very uh, 
it's like a very sad like in the 90s had a lot of these sexual movies where it's like remember like us uh, was it called sliver i think there was a movie like, a lot of With those the movies like brother yeah, yeah and uh there's just a lot of Darren those movies Stone. where it was yeah. like kind of an erotic thriller type thing. They don't make those really anymore. You don't see that a lot. Whereas like a movie where it's like almost a softcore porno, but it was like it had a Baldwin in it, or it had, you know, Tom Cruise. Like Tom Cruise, the reason that movie popped off, I think, more was because you finally got to see Tom Cruise in like a rated R movie. You know, he wasn't playing a bad guy, but it was just like women were like oh my god i can finally see tom just ravaging some lady and it wasn't even really about that but it was just one of those i didn't really like the movie now that i'm thinking about it <laughs> i didn't mind it i thought the story was interesting but we talked about it before man i i might see it again in my life but i'm not in a rush to um i mean if it's on it's like oh shit i should else on uh, i'll check this out it's been a while um but uh, Christian Slater's role was actually going to go to River Phoenix. He was the original choice. Um, and Slater donated his $250,000 salary to two of Phoenix's favorite charities. Um, nice. Both real dudes. I, I mean, obviously, I don't know these men, but I, I like to think Christian Slater's a real one. Uh, and I've heard a lot of great things about River Phoenix. Um, he I mean, was a cool company. Don, I mean, he was lost too soon. I don't really have a lot to go off of other than. Uh, was he didn't stand by me? I think that was River Phoenix. Stand by me, yeah. So yeah, he I mean, he was an up and comer. He was like with Johnny Depp, like all those guys in that little brat, whatever you want to call that, like era of heartthrobs. Christian Slater, very much another part of that. But I'm with yeah. you. I Christian Slater, I haven't like always liked his shit, but he's been in a lot of movies that I remember from my childhood. He was in a movie with. Uh, Fred Savage called The Wizard that was like a big basically an advertisement yeah. for Nintendo from, it's not uh, a great Super movie Mario. yeah I, you know it was one of those movies where you got to see video games and I I don't know I just never got like the new video games and you got it was like a preview for the newest video game and it made it you know I just remember that but he was also in a really good uh Tarantino written flick called uh True Romance that I to me yeah. is one of the best movies he's ever been in but uh for sure. Oh, he's that's really good. But I think he always kind of got made fun of because he he always has this affectation that he's like doing a Jack Nicholson impression almost. You know? I think he does, but I, I still like Christian Slater. I'm not oh, yeah. saying he's doing this intentionally, but I can't ignore the fact that this man sounds like a younger Jack. Hey man, like uh, especially like when you yeah, watch true like. romance, it, it almost is like he's doing like a dead-on impersonation yeah. of a guy. But that being said. See, Sl I'm glad to hear this dude actually gave up his money because this guy, he got a part, you know, off the back of somebody's death. That's that's pretty dope. I don't. I'm thinking of an uh, interview with a vampire, and I'm not. Was he like the one of the people that wasn't a vampire? Right. He was the reporter guy. Yeah, I think he yeah, was yeah. there, like you know, taking notes and all of that, man. Uh, now, even though you didn't like it, somebody who did like it was Anne Rice. Uh, she was so pleased with this adaptation that she took out a two-page ad in both Vanity Fair and the New York Times, endorsing it as a masterpiece. Wow. Well, I guess that goes a long way. Anne Rice, good writer for, you know, th that type of shit. But this, to me, I, I just never really been into vampire shit. Unless it's Dust Till Dawn. Um, I just, I don't know. There's just, just never really tickled my pickles, Steve. No, I get it. 
Uh, now, they did kind of do something at the MTV Movie Awards. Uh, they were nominated for Best Movie, Best Male Performance, Best Breakthrough Performance, Most Desirable Male, uh, Best On-Screen Team, and Best Villain. Uh, I, I didn't mention the Academy. They, they were nominated for like two awards in the Academies, but those were like genres that they announced during commercial. It's like best editing and best set design and shit like that. Yeah, but it's, get get this though, Matt. They had three candidates in the most desirable male from this movie. Christian Slater. I'm looking was at two of them. I, I, you could be in there too, Steve. Your your head's next to these two heartthrobs. I gotta say, Steve, you're stacking up. So, man, I should have been. I was fine at 11 years old. <laughs> oh, and uh, oh. uh, Tom Cruise. Christian Slater, and the winner, Brad Pitt. I mean, we all I knew mean, who was going to win that, but, you know, that's crazy. And, I mean, I, this is very much, I think, why they made this movie and why they cast it the way they did, because really all this was was just a lot of eye candy for the ladies, you know? Yeah. And I was 11. I ain't got time for that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that same day Santa Claus premiered in theaters. Uh, when a man inadvertently makes Santa fall off of his roof and, on Christmas Eve, he finds himself magically recruited to take his place. Uh, 190 million off of a 22 million dollar budget starring Tim Allen. I got I mean this movie has one of the funniest quotes in a Christmas movie where Judge Reinhold near the end receives a weenie whistle like an Oscar Mayer weenie whistle he wanted as a kid whistle. and he just goes a weenie whistle. <sighs> Lord have mercy I'm about to bust. It's one of the most weirdest things of all time. But I love, I got to say, I didn't hate this movie. I haven't seen it in a while, but I, I remember enjoying this. Yeah, I like me some wrong with Alan. I don't remember who the kid was, but I mean, the, the, the actual premise of this movie is kind of odd. I mean, essentially at the beginning of this movie, Tim Allen's sort of like this highfalutin business guy. He's very cutthroat, very much doesn't have time for his family, that type of situation. And then Santa just falls off his roof and dies. And so when that happens, you as the homeowner, I guess, I don't really understand what the rule was, but Tim Allen is then tasked with becoming Santa and he sort of fights it at first. Um, But then the only way his son will actually love him is if he is Santa, basically. So he earns his son's love through becoming Santa, accepting the role. It's very... It's uh, now that I'm talking about it, it doesn't sound that great, but the fact that they killed Santa at the beginning of this Disney movie, hilarious. So that is pretty hilarious. Uh, I mean, you, you see who it was made by, so there's going to be a lot of gooey goo goo goo. I'm a Christmas Santa story died. type guy, you know. I'm that I love the Christmas story. If I have one Christmas movie to watch, it's going to be Ralphie getting that BB gun and all the hijinks of that, or the Arnold Schwarzenegger Sinbad classic um what is it called Jingle All the Way I was guess No <laughs> Oh Jingle All the Way yeah, <laughs> I don't I think Schwarzenegger was in House <laughs> I get I get my Sinbad movies confused man That had Phil Hartman in it so but uh, so that's just as good but you know it's not a Christmas movie Steve so now, You know who probably didn't watch Santa Claus or interview with the vampire on November 11, 1994, Matthew? Sinbad? Probably Pedro Zamora, the Cuban-American uh, from the real world. He died of AIDS uh, at the age of 22. Yeah. 
Ouch. Well, Pedro uh, had a lot of issues with Puck. Uh, famously, Puck put his fingers in Pedro's peanut butter, even though he was immunocompromised. Um, he was Puck like was one fuck. of the. Yeah, I mean, no one likes Puck. Puck's legit. Anyone that spits on people just in any capacity, I, I just can't, I can't hang. Um, but Pedro, he became like the, uh, like a poster child for the AIDS epi- pandemic or epidemic or whatever. He sort of was one of those first public people about it, which I think is why he was on the real world in this season. Yeah. Uh, but it was a big deal. I mean, there was a lot of, they, I think did a tribute for him. He was sort of, you know, famous, at least on MTV. He was a pretty well-known dude. So and this was around the time Magic Johnson made that announcement. I think that, yeah, it was like sort of on the heels of that, but they put him on the mm-hmm. show and <clears throat> he was just like a nice guy. But then like that dude Puck was on it. And it, that's sort of what I think is the most famous part of that season of real world is their interactions and more famously Puck being a complete douche. So yeah. in that, uh, November 11, 1995, Saturday Night Live is the episode with musical guest Smashing Pumpkins and the host Quentin Tarantino. This is a good one. Uh, you didn't it like was it? Part good. It was part good, part cringe. There, there was some cringe. Um, I don't remember it being good. What was cringe about it, Steve? You seem to have a little knowledge here. So, Well, uh, the fact that it's hosted by Quentin Tarantino, uh, I mean fill in the blanks there and some of those blanks were filled uh his monologue was a little spastic he goes into this song and dance and i don't know if you ever heard him sing but it looks like this wasn't a comedic uh uh, song it seems like he's giving it his all and quentin tarantino you're a goddamn director you're not judy garland uh so there's that and there's an obvious reason why that shit is cut out of peacock's reruns um and then the but one of the shining lights uh this episode is the first the debut of the spartan cheerleaders uh will ferrell sherry o'terry the goat and uh he does quinn darantino redeems himself in some skits uh where he the, the last one he plays uh chester millbrush uh and it's like a pbs kind of uh public broadcasting kind of show uh and he's like this old train worker uh and he just uh teaches people how to beat up hobos and every now and then he (laughs) goes into some like story he retells some story and it just gets pretty graphic and uh i'm sure he had a hand in writing that uh because as you can see behind me um it it gets pretty gory okay i like that very tarantino it's what you would expect from him being the host and there's another scene it's a it's a collective scene where it's got will ferrell quentin tarantino uh it's got uh damn it it's it's called white trash around a campfire dealing with an overabundance of fluids um and and that was part funny part cringe uh hearing will ferrell play a southern yokel is priceless and it just they're basically trying to see how they can outdo each other in gore um are you familiar with the first wu-tang album not as much i don't want to say i am and then just get caught off guard so no i'm not okay are, are you 
you're probably familiar with the skit where Raekwon and Method Man are trading barbs, where they're like, I'll fucking, I'll fucking yeah, yeah. put your nuts. <laughs> and that's basically what this skit is. Okay. They're all sitting around a campfire and they're just doing some of the most outlandish shit. And I thought I had the shit in my queue, apparently not. But yeah, it's called White Trash Around a Campfire Dealing with an Overabundance of Fluids. Part <laughs> funny, part cringe. And I also like it. I love me some Tarantino, though. So, I mean, I would love to. I didn't watch this, but uh, I'm going to have to go check it out. And that's that's crazy. I didn't know when this came in the uh, timeline of SNL, but that's crazy that this was the first episode with that. The Spartan Cheerleaders. That's a big one. And this was awkward in a way because you don't get the pop. This Because this is the first uh, showing, we didn't know what to expect. This is the, yeah. our first time seeing this. And it, it, there were some awkward silences. Like usually when you see them doing their thing and they were giving them, giving it their all. That's like like the, the crowd is on their side, but like, I mean, hey, first time's not always a home run. I love me some Will Ferrell and Sherry Oteri. That was like a match made in SNL heaven right there. No doubt, man. They had a lot uh, of good ones. Uh, uh, something else that's cringe is uh, this director's interview segment that he had. Uh, David Kettner plays uh, Oliver Stone. Tim Meadows plays Spike Lee. And they're basically trying to like share stories of actresses they got it on with. And <laughs> what, in yeah, hindsight, is yeah, it, because of the Harvey Weinstein shit, this definitely makes it cringe in hindsight. And the, and Quentin Tarantino's rant, he goes on a rant that makes it a little uncomfortable. And you can tell, like, this skit is dying. Uh, he, he goes into the whole spiel of, like, yeah, when I had to work at Blockbuster and, and you know, I had to ride a car for three years, he just tells talks about his struggles. And his point is basically, like, dude, we're, we're directors. We're ugly. So, like, cut the crap. Like, stop. Don't tell me about your movie. Tell me about, like, who who did you bang on the set? That's what it, that's basically what this was. And, you know, it, it had some promise. But, like I said, in hindsight, because of everything that's happened since then, yeah. Mark McKinney, whoever he's playing on the left there in the, flan- or in the uh, flannel shirt, he looks uncomfortable in the scene. Yeah, so. this, this is probably towards the he's end. Trying to distance him a little, himself a little bit from the scene, it looks like. Even in the scene, so... But uh, in 1996, Atlanta Braves starting pitcher John Smoltz wins the NL Cy Young Award, and Pat Hingen of the Toronto Blue Jays claimed the AL Award. I mean, I'm not going to talk shit about John Smoltz anymore. We've gone ad nauseum on how much we both hate the Braves, but, uh, you know, this guy was a very successful pitcher, Smoltzy. Uh, I'm rocking a Smoltz-like stash. I hope I, you know, I can someday rock a, a very much 100% Smoltz stash. But I just can't give this guy any flowers, Steve, because he broke my heart as a child. Yeah, I think he actually killed my love of baseball. So thanks, John. I mean, I got to give him his, like, the motherfucker was crushing it. We're talking about him 
periodically on our show for a reason. He, he did some things in the 90s. Yeah. And he beat my team in the world. Like the one World Series the Braves won in the 90s, out of all the ones they went to, they beat the fucking Indians. Go figure. Uh, but in 1997, Mystical releases Unpredictable, uh, 17 tracks, 69 minutes and 47 seconds. Uh, it's his second, second solo album and his first with No Limit Records. It featured production from the label's production team, Beats by the Pound. What what were you? What's your take on mystical? I mean, I I don't feel like anybody got away with not banging some mystical tracks, but I was never the biggest fan of of mystical. Mystical during this time, he was my favorite out of No Limit during this time. Wow! Yeah. I mean, he I liked his he energy, it. but I just thought it was very intense. Steve. Mystical had a very intense style, has a very intense style. I'm That's, sure, but bump it up against the wall. I mean, there's yeah. very much a lot of that. So if you were ready for it, but me, I just you know I was more of a Master P fan. If we're talking No Limit, I was a No Limit soldier. So I mean, oh, yeah. I, I went with the the press, not one of the lieutenants, Steve. I, I, hey, I respect it. I, I love P too. Uh, but Mystical Man, he, because his shit was intense, I feel like he was a Southern DMX. And it, it just got you in the zone, whether you're playing video games with the music in the background, whether you're, you're working out, his shit was, it, it took you there. Somebody like asked you, was looking for Southern me. Southern DMX, I mean, you just, that's just certified. Put that on this man's tombstone, because that's what, I mean, that's perfect. You get Here a guy, I go. You get somebody who's never heard mystical and you're you have to try it's like the, the log line to sell it. That's all you need. Southern Miss or Southern DMX. Go at it. Enjoy. And he had a couple bangers. That one that uh, Pharrell produced. I can't remember what which one I can't even remember any this guy's. Shake song. your ass? Yeah. There Watch you yourself. Go. Exactly. Shake your ass. Yeah, I mean, this guy, I, I'm not going to say I wasn't banging it a little bit, Steve, but just like, I'm not going to just lie to you and tell you I was just all, all over all the mystical shit. After a while, yeah. it's just like, come on, we got to we gotta slow this down a little bit. We got to turn the volume down a little bit. Let me get a little Manny Fresh. I get, I get it. Master P. I, I don't need to be yelled at all the time, you know? Yeah. I mean, he, he doesn't have to be your favorite, but what you're not going to do is say he ain't got no bankers. <laughs> I mean, I, I am not going to do that. See, I'm not going to besmirch the man and I'm not going to besmirch my own reputation. So shout out Mystical. I hope it's all going well. This album worked. This was Snoop Dogg's first appearance on a No Limit Records album, uh, but he had not signed with them at the time. Uh, he was still credited as being signed to Death Row still. Um, Ain't No Limit and The Man Right Here. Those were the singles. Um, but he also has this song early in the album called Murderer! <laughs> Motherfucking murderer talks about his sister. You murder my sister. What? Yeah, man. Damn. This shit is fucking. It's deep, bro. Um, I didn't know that. Some, something I can never overlook uh, is the lyric where he's like, "I came in with my dick in my hand." Like, <laughs> in, in what context? Did you come at a woman with your? Did, is that how you holler at them like this? Like, do you just just hey, came in, dick? I mean. Did you come to the party like that? Because I don't want to come to that party. Uh, yeah, if somebody's walking in with their dick straight up in their hand, like I'm, I'm no. exiting out another doorway. You know, I don't want to get caught in the middle of whatever's about to happen there. So, I never questioned that, Steve. I just always, you know, it's 
just it's just one of those things you know i, I don't know what it means but hey but i guess it's a little, it sounds I'm too a, aggressive from I a just, literal standpoint i really hope mystical wasn't walking into rooms with his dick in his hand but you know given the 90s and the climate maybe he was you know, man, you know. ain't gonna believe this shit, man. We was at this party last night, man. We was out there getting fucked up, bro. This motherfucking mister that came in into the motherfucking living room with a dick in his hand, bro. Nigga, what? I heard yelling from another room, and then I look over, it's mystical screaming at the top of his lungs with a dick in his hand. I, I couldn't even believe it. But I met mystical that night. <laughs> Hey, man, hey, one of one he is. Uh, but on that same day when Mr. was getting unpredictable, Canadian baseball players win the Cy Young Award for best MLB pitcher. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays' Roger Clemens, Asterix, wins his fourth AL Award, and Pedro Martinez of the Montreal Expos takes the NL Award. Uh, yeah, man. Damn, I forgot I like Clemens him. played for the Blue Jays. Man, he's been around the world. Like, uh, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he been player hated. I put don't put an asterisk next to the man's name, Steve. Because as far as I'm concerned, I want my pitchers juiced to the gills. As long as I want everybody juiced to the gills in baseball, make it exciting again. And uh, shout out to the juice. Montreal Expos because they don't even exist anymore. They they said yeah. fuck the bullshit. We don't need this. Speaking of juice, I think people forget Pedro Martinez uh, fucking so glow that he that he was rocking before he went to the Red Sox. Uh, this is some of the best Pedro shit. He was fucking canceling motherfuckers at the plate. Uh, Jerry Curl dripping on the mound. He was. You can't really see it, but he had a little Billy D. Williams like. I love it. I mean, he maybe he watched Billy. Maybe he was a fan of Billy D. I don't know, but. There was another guy in the Blue Jays, and I don't remember who it was, but there was another dude that I feel like had that drip, too. He had that little fabuloso. (laughs) (laughs) There was somebody. I don't know his name, because there was another guy who was a famous Toronto Blue Jays guy, and I can't remember this motherfucker's name, but he. I think there was another. I feel like there was, but I'm not going to. I'm not a baseball historian, so. You know, Canada apparently had all that all that extra soul glow just sitting up there, just waiting. So. Uh, we don't know what to do with it, didn't he, Blaze, eh? <laughs> uh, but on that same day, uh, in 1997, NHL's newest Columbus franchise uh, announced the team's name would be the Blue Jackets after soldiers in the Union Army during the American Civil War. Uh, you hear that, you fucking Confederate flag Ohioans? Get the fuck out of my state. You don't belong. <laughs> History buffs, you were not. That's, that wasn't how this shit works. I don't... Are the Blue Jackets still a thing? They were. They are. They are now? They have I, the I, best I don't want to like, like, jockey at all. But I do remember this. I mean, this... You know, this was big news in Ohio. They got a hockey team. They didn't have to root for the Red Wings. And, uh... You know, I, it doesn't move the needle for me. I didn't know it was named after, like, a historical thing. I just thought it's, you know, a cool name. Blue Jackets. Yeah, I thought like it was that. off the corny ass insect they got back here. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they got rid of this shit. I hope he's fucking uh, persona non grata. Uh, get that shit out of here. Because if we're talking about Detroit Red Wings and this shit, uh, man, you're not going to win with this shit. That, that Detroit, it's just a wheel with a fucking wing on it. Yeah, that shit I was looks about gangster. to say. And it's, you it's don't not get going any more classic than that. A, a wheel with yeah. just an angel wing? I mean. Yeah. 
That's why Tupac strutted out George Jefferson side in court wearing a fucking like that shit looks gangster. That's what he wore. He wore the fucking like I want to get a Rick Howe would slap anybody in the teeth for besmirching that logo. You know, so just watch out. Gordy might just f- come over and slap shot the fuck out of you if you fucking disrespect that wheel. Straight up, man. Now, in the last November 11th of the decade, Matt, in 1999, Frazier is airing the episode A Sar is Born. The rift between Martin and his son's taste is bridged when they find they are all fans of the antique roadshow. The boys have a great time watching it on TV. And when the roadshow comes to Seattle, they all go. Aww. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a classic episode. As a Frasier aficionado, this is a good one. I, I got to say, there's not a lot of bad ones. But this one's a, this one's a heater. So right away, we go right to one of those, the common places in Frasier, Cafe Nervosa. Um, Roz is on her laptop, one of those big brick laptops, looking like it weighs. Strong ass PlayStation yeah, laptop. Looking like it weighs 60 pounds. And she's not doing work. She's trying to do some work finding a man, Steve. And on AOL point, chat. Exactly. AOL Messenger. She's just trying to find a new bow in Seattle. And Frazier's not feeling it. He likes a little face-to-face interaction. He doesn't trust that wily internet that's just coming around. Um absurd. Yeah, exactly. He likes a little face-to-face interaction. But, Steve, not with his own father, who comes in right after... And it seems like there's a little saltiness on Martin Crane's behalf because he's acknowledging Roz. He's like, hey, Roz, how you doing? And she mentions what she's doing and he doesn't really clock it too much, but he's like, oh, family, you know, it's good to have family, Niles and whatnot. But he's given the cold shoulder to Frazier and it's clear there's some bad blood brewing between the son and his father. And Martin's just, he goes on his way, leaving Frazier and Roz back in there. And Roz is like, what's going on, Frazier? And apparently, Frazier and Niles, who we all know have the taste of royalty, they have this, their erudite, their high society. And apparently, they made a lie because they didn't want to go to a family function with Martin, a wedding. Uh, Cousin Dota's wedding, Western exactly. thing. <laughs> and uh, they got caught in that lie. So that's why Martin's a little salty. He thinks that Frazier. And by accessory, Niles are actually embarrassed of the Crane name and Martin's side of the family because they have this high taste. And Martin's more, you know, they have champagne taste, and Martin's more of a, a Budweiser type guy. You know, he went to tall court. Court 45. Exactly. Yes, sir. I bet him and Billy just would love, they would have a great time in Seattle. So that's happening. There's this bad blood. Um, but. They also, Frazier's like, you know, I have a, me and I, I have a little date tonight myself uh, with my brother and we're going to go watch Antiques Roadshow. That's what's on this guy's plate. That's how, how exciting his life is. He's going home to hang out and watch Antiques Roadshow. Um, and that's kind of, you know, it's the reality. I'm, I'm kind of finding myself in that reality, Steve. You go home, you know, and uh, you're hanging out with the folks, a little bad blood, but who knows? Maybe they'll get a little alone time. Martin can have some of his own time and this will all work itself out, you know? And before you know it, this starter jacket is appraised for $8,000. <laughs> you never know. You know, Hey, that's what I'm counting on, Steve. I'm counting. I'm going through these boxes. There's going to be, somebody's going to want a copy of Money Talks on VHS. And hey, I got two. You got one to spare. Yeah. So Shit. hopefully that that's ECW tape. Psh, 
exclusive. <laughs> so now Niles Frazier that evening, they're at the door and they're just hankering to go watch Antiques Roadshow because their life apparently is right about they're right at that edge of suicide where your life's that boring that Antiques Roadshow's moving the needle. They open the door and Martin Crane, who was supposed to be out with his buddy fishing, is in the living room. He's cramping their style and uh, he ain't going nowhere. Fuck Antique Road. Fuck their plans. Fuck everything. I'm, I gotta fuck watch my game Duke. show. Yeah. But what's his game fuck show? Duke and Steve? night fishing. Exactly. Uh, the game show is actually Antique Road Show. So him and his sons. His sons got this high taste. He's got you know beer taste. But they both come together and they even agree. We'll watch it together. You know we have all this bad blood, but let's settle this. Let's watch a little Antiques Road Show. And I gotta ask you, Steve. I I've had some experiences with this show. I've watched it with family. I've watched it. It's just been on. There's something strangely addictive about that show. And I, it's shown in this episode. It's just like you watch it. An old man can watch it. A guy who buys caviar and champagne can watch it. And we're all going to watch and just see if mm. this trash these people bring to Antiques Roadshow is going to be worth $50,000 or five. It's just there's something about it. I can't help it. I, I feel like if you have anything on a camera it's going to be addicting uh, if you put it out there enough uh it's next on pbs this box <laughs> meredith baxter bernie in this box have you seen the last episode of the box <laughs> the box sat there and it was corrugated and it was brown it was the greatest thing i've ever seen steve and just like we're saying martin Frazier Niles we cut to a couple an hour later 50 minutes later and these guys they're loving it they're not only loving it they've forgotten all their problems all their arguments and they've even invented a drinking drinking game from watching this show where anytime the word veneer is mentioned veneer they got to take a drink Steve so veneer 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 take a sip I'll um, take a shot to that and they Shout are getting blotto because apparently on Antiques Roadshow veneer, uh, you know, it's just a they're saying it a lot. It's prevalent. Yeah. So as they're watching this though, Daphne comes in. And oh, in Daphne. this part of yeah, Daphne looking very hot. Uh Daphne comes in, and uh this is actually the part of the uh show still where her and Niles aren't together. She's about to get married to Donnie. Um, you can look it up. Donnie is a very famous actor. Donnie, uh, I, she's he 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 got way out of his league. Donnie is a character who helped Niles get through his divorce. He's a lawyer in this show, and in helping Niles get through his divorce, he met Daphne. And so Niles, who is in love with Daphne, the whole course of the show actually put Daphne in the arms of somebody she almost marries. And at this point in the show. Uh, she has a wedding dress that is Donnie's mother's and she's worried she's not going to like it. You know, she agreed to wear this woman's wedding dress, but what if she hates it? You know, and uh, Frazier's like, well, why don't you model it for us? You know, let's let's see what you got. So she goes away. They hear veneer a couple more times and they're just getting I mean, they're about to get trash. They're, they're about to get wine drunk and start puking everywhere. And uh, then Daphne comes back in. Uh, looking looking great. like a fucking tan, <laughs> fucking tan. tan. 
and it was Niles exotic. Boss, Niles busts in his pants. Uh, and she's wearing this go-go outfit and everyone's like, oh my God, like, damn. And she calls Donnie and it turns out Donnie gave her the wrong box or she, look at this woman. I mean, she is just shredded. Uh, Pilates, huh? Uh, what is I mean, it, uh, P90, Abripper X, Beachbody front? Huh? That's just, yeah. that's one of those, um, you know, like a Richard Simmons sweating to the oldies body right now. She's just killing it. And she's making she's that look good. She's in much? And I don't, Donnie's mom apparently used to be a tasty treat too if she was walking around, but she calls Donnie. She's a little concerned. She has, she's a very modest English woman. So wearing something like this, I I don't know if I can wear this, but Donnie tells her you took the wrong dress. That's actually my mom's third wedding dress when she got married in Vegas back in the day. So Donnie's mom hollering at us. If we get in the hot tub time machine, we might want to holler at Donnie's mom. But right now, Daphne is. I probably like couldn't. A, I was a black. Mm, mm. <laughs> that was like probably a felony at that time. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to. I I would hate to hear see anything bad happen to you, Steve. But I, I just, I mean, this woman's looking great. They. You oh, know, don't worry. I would have stayed in my place. <laughs> oh, I'm just gonna be a. I'm gonna be Mike Myers when Kanye went off. Lyndon B. Johnson doesn't care about black people. <laughs> uh, uh, so any, anyways, Steve, uh, um, we cut uh, uh, right before we cut from the scene uh, on Antiques Roadshow. They say they're about to come to Seattle. So Martin, everybody couldn't be more happy about this. They're so excited. They're going to go. They're going. Martin might have a couple of things too. He's an old man. He might have a jackalope. He's got a couple of things, but this brings up another thing in Frazier and Niles embarrassment of the family that, you know, this is going to be televised and they're worried their trash father might embarrass their, you know, embarrass them in front of their friends. Cause everyone's watching yeah. the show. Even, the, even high society Seattle's watching the show. It's like, Hey, Niles, man, you want to be on TV, dad, pop up with this dusty ass bread box or whatever the fuck he come out <laughs> with in that room. Uh, <laughs> but what he does have is a pewter clock. Uh, he, he brings the pewter clock to the antique road show and he goes to see if he can get it appraised. Uh, and they find out that he's actually going to be on TV they're, and they're reluctant, like you said. Uh, but when the appraiser comes to him, he tells them that the pewter clock is Russian, made in the middle of the 19th century. And that's pretty much what Martin figured. It's a stunning piece made by Andre Karagin, who worked for Tsar Alexander VII. And that's pretty much what Martin figured. And all of those clocks were made exclusively for the Romanov family and are now in the Hermitage Museum in Petersburg. The clock is worth 25,000. Oh 25 big things. 25 big things. And now Fraser and Niles want to be a part of the wave. Don't they oh, all yeah. want to be part of the wave? They always want to be a part Get of the wave. Get on the bandwagon, because now this is classy. This way, They thought this was just a piece of trash in their dad's room, but turns out now they're all like, oh, hey, dad. Sup? What's up, Seattle? Where we might be royalty. This is where this it gets a little dicey because now they have this information from uh, Antiques Roadshow. This clock came from the the Romanov dynasty, like you said. So not only are they enamored with the clock, they get home. They're now instead of putting it in the trash, they're like, well, "Where can we put this in the room so everyone can see this amazing clock?" And with this new information comes this hope that 
perhaps, just perhaps, they're not just, you know, related to the Martin Crane and these trash people. All this good taste and all this intelligence and high society class is actually because they might be royal descendants, Steve. They might have descended from the royal Romanovs. And oh, my God. And they're not just drawing it out of their ass. They're, they're thinking that because their dad told them that, like, oh, my grandfather gave this to me. It's passed down for generations. And so they just try to put two and two together. It's like, well, if that came from our dad's grandfather and this is from the Romanov family, then, well, fuck, something's up. Yeah, this is the missing piece. This is what we always wondered how we were related to this guy. Uh, and now we know this. We're, we came from this royal lineage. And that sets them. They're like, well, you know, now that we're, now that there's this uh, information, maybe we should do a little fact finding and look into our family tree a little bit. So they start doing that. And um, the next day, actually, Fraser's in Cafe Nervosa finishing up his research, as you will. And uh, Roz is actually there. And uh, she's there to meet her new beau, Steve. And Just uh, like Jessica Rabbit. Mm-mm. Looking great. Looking. De- I mean, Roz one another sexy little seattle tree she's very hot and she the guy she's meeting she shows a picture to fraser that the guy sent over and he's like wait a second this guy let me let me think this is the guy that's on the cover of bidwells which i guess is a catalog I, that's some like rich yeah. shit you know and uh he gets in her head and he's like there's no fucking way Roz. the bidwells guy ain't on the internet you know fishing for pussy i bet it's noel shemsky he's a he's a computer genius that they work with who has a thing for Roz. uh he Mm -hmm. looks like myrtle the turtle and uh he he definitely is would love to get between the sheets and Roz is i mean pissed she buys into it and she starts just walloping noel she starts berating him and Noel, she's like who like why would you do this and he's like i didn't do this but I think she's like, well, who would? And he's like, I think it's that guy behind you. And she looks behind him, Stephen. It is the Bidwell's guy. It's she the actual him. guy. And he leaves like, man, this isn't worth the nut. I already saw her spaz out in public. Uh, nah. I'm not into Rather. the rough stuff. You know, I'm not into that. I, I like a nice, he, he doesn't like what he sees. So he leaves, leaving Roz to just, you know finger blast that night she's doing one of those one person specials we've all been through where the date just doesn't work out but it was all because of, she was shitty she should have just not listened to Frazier he doesn't know shit he ain't on the internet trolling for puss yet he hasn't gotten that desperate so um, it's very much that I remember that because I will be honest I met my wife I met Kendra uh, on the internet I've, I think I've explained that to you before I'm a believer in internet dating but back in the 90s, I was not. I was young. I wasn't doing it. But yeah. I think the general opinion of anyone was that to meet somebody online and actually meet them in person was not only stupid and probably would result in just disaster, it might even be dangerous. You know, so very much that's how why this joke's a joke. But Roz leaves dickless. But Frazier's still got his hard dick over this royalty thing. And it turns out that he found a a connection to this Romanov dynasty that further indicates that they might just be royals, Steve. And to somebody who drinks sherry, who has, you know, uh, 
caviar just in the fridge this has to be everything you know when you're an erudite like very highfalutin person like fraser or niles to be told your royalty and have this great taste i mean this just is icing on top of the cake it solidifies what i've already been thinking yeah and they're i mean they're fully into it and they're to the point that fraser actually got in touch with somebody from the russian embassy who's an expert michigan exactly and he's an expert that he's going to come over to the apartment that night to to basically validate what they think is the truth that this clock is roy- of royal lineage and that they in fact are descendants of this royal line so but, but get this though dude he called him the doctor called fraser to tell him dude i have some very important news i'll meet you at your house like wh- this shit like we're in a city that has a lot of people. There's traffic. Like, can't we talk about this shit over the phone? Yeah. Like, what you- is it? Do I have can? It's not like a cancer diagnosis. They're just you're no. just gonna tell me, confirm some information. So I do feel you on that. Why? Why the secrecy? But I guess he, the Russian guy, he wanted to make it a surprise. But also, somebody else that has a surprise is Martin, who comes into the uh, cafe Nervosa. And he is already spending the money. You know, he's been told it's worth 25000 And just based off being on TV, he's already gotten calls for this thing. People want it. People have already offered him 26 26 He went up yeah. a K. He went up one, band, one rack. So now he's already spending the money. And we've all been there. You're, you're expecting a tax refund. You're expecting whatever the check is. Uh, I've been there where you're just, the money's gone. So Martin comes in and he's like, look guys, I got an offer for 26 K and I got this, uh, uh, brochure for a, uh, brand spanking new speedboat that I can go tubing on, which I mean, I, for a guy with a busted ass hip and a cane, I don't know if tubing's the best thing for you, but Hey, live that lifestyle. Martin Crane, get that, live that big pimp and lifestyle buy that $26,000 speedboat or yacht or whatever the fuck 26k buys you in the boat world i don't know man live your old man life man that's what it's live all out about your fantasies martin crane and that's that's the beauty of antiques roadshow steve you go in there you're an old guy who just has a bunch of old shit in his house and then some guy tells you you know what that picture of what you thought was bubble gum is actually Babe Ruth's ball sack and that thing's worth $35,000. Congratulations. I don't know how you're going to get it. I don't know who's going to buy it, but that thing is worth that much money. So Martin tells Frazier this, but Frazier's like, fuck, man. You can't take this thing away. You can't sell this. I got to tell the Russian guy. I got to get that guy to tell me I'm royalty before you do anything. So he says, listen dad i'm plugged in i'm the plug into all this fucking money shit you want you don't want to sell yourself let your uh son do this and let me get it to some of these rich white people in seattle because i can get you way more than twenty six thousand k but that's a ruse you know we we could probably get thirty thousand. you know but martin of course he's like you're my son why would you lie to me 30k i'll take that i'm just gonna get a couple more feet on the boat you know what i'm saying or bigger a bigger motor i don't Again, I'm not rich and I'm not into boats, Steve, but whatever that buys you, whatever that extra money is going to buy you, maybe some life jackets. Some bitches on the boat. Definitely that. You know, maybe spend, save one of those thousand, go out and just, you know, rack it up in a strip club and be like, you know what, ladies, 
Martin Crane's got a boat too. So if you guys want to go, you know, bust all uh, in international waters, old man Crane can make that happen. So he got enough to make the girls touch it. So Martin's like, okay, you guys, you handle it. So now they, there's no danger that this clock's not going to be there for uh, the Russian doctor to come. Uh, So cut to veneer. Um, cut to uh, the apartment later that night. Um, Fraser and Niles are readying their the the clock. They got the caviar on ice, waiting for this Russian guy because that's Russian. Everyone in Russia apparently loves caviar, especially the rich people. And uh, we get the uh, doctor coming in, and I mean, right away, immediately, he's like, "You know what, guys? You're right. This is completely authentic. This clock." is one of the only missing clocks in that collection that's not in that museum. And it does, in fact, prove that this is one of these Royal Romanov clocks that's gone missing. So in Fraser and Niles' minds, the cogs are turning. We're royals. Where's the crown? Am I going to get like a sash? Am I going to get one of those like gold Pope cane things? What happens here? Plot twist, uh, your ancestor wasn't the princess. Uh, your ancestor was a scullery maid. Uh, whatever a scullery maid is, never heard of it before this episode, but that's what she was. Yeah. And before that, before she was a scullery maid, uh, she was a Soviet woman of the evening. Yes. Uh, so she was a, a human vacuum, and then she ended up using a vacuum for a living. Uh, like, oh, I don't have to use my mouth anymore. Huh. That was and, that was your ancestor. Yeah. So basically, what happened was this woman, instead of being like the princess, the princess was a real person, and the clock was hers. She fell in love with a commoner, and to escape not being able to marry this guy, she was like, "We're gonna have to run away together." Her scullery maid, who is the scumbag crane in the mix, took all of her belongings and said, I'll bring them to you wherever you're going to meet your prince and, you know, shining armor or whatever. But instead of giving it to her, meeting her, she just took the shit. She's a scumbag. She's a she's an old she's an old filthy whore. And uh, gang, gang. Exactly. So the guy's like, not only am I not going to give you any money for this, you're not royal. You're not anything, and I'm taking this clock because it's legally ours. And if you really want to get into it, I'll just go and tell everybody that you're the descendants of a filthy whore. Okay, <laughs> and that's basically enough. like your 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 descendants used to get made fun of by royalty. Uh, your descendants put this had the scarlet letter put on them by royalty. So yeah. By the way, I'm just going like nonchalantly walk out with your shit. Yeah. And, and Martin, right in time for Martin to be like, oh, hey, you sold the clock. And he thinks he's about to get a check, Steve. So Niles and Fraser, first of all, don't want to admit that they've completely botched this. They've taken his clock. They've lost it. He basically, they, they might as well have just thrown it out off the balcony at this point. Cause that's really what it's worth. Nothing to them. Nothing. Um, and Martin's like, Oh, well, how much did you get? And they can't even tell him because they're like, fuck, you didn't buy a boat, did you? And he's like, no, man, of course not. I didn't buy a boat. 
I would not do that because you got me way more money. So I bought this Winnebago, motherfucker. And we're going to be yeah. going out on trips together because you got me all this extra money. And he, Frazier and Niles don't even fess up, Steve. They live that lie. They take a 30K hit to just please their father. So if nothing else, these guys, while they did fuck this situation up, they're still they're good sons. You know, they took that hit. Yeah, well, hey, they they knew that if they didn't, uh, it's going to be a longer ride in that Winnebago. Yeah, and also just you know they, Martin's and he's over the moon. He's about to get a new Winnebago. He's looking at the brochure. He's thinking about where to put all the stuff, and he leaves, and it leaves Frazier and Niles just to sort of swill a little sherry, you know, drown their sorrows in sherry, which. It just seems like a, the most bitch of a drink to, you know, if you're drinking sherry, I, I just don't, I, I don't like alcohol, but I got to say you're a, I drink margaritas and I feel like I can say somebody that drinks sherry is a bitch. So there's, uh, that's, it seems like it tastes like Welch's is, is sherry made by Welch's. I feel like sherry is like, you know, when you have like, um, just that shit ass champagne that is like three dollars the corbell bottle that everyone buys to like it's the one that everyone shakes you know i feel like there's like that it's just dry and just you have to almost want to feel like you're high class so you won't admit that it tastes like complete shit you know so it tastes like cold 45 exactly basically you know it's just the opposite it's like it's people knew cold 45 was some shit but it was just billy d was that classy where he's like it don't matter you know, it's just there to get you fucked up so we can all just get loose off the goose. You know, it's one of those things. But they're out there. It's like wine, I feel like. You know, people that are always like those real uh, particular wine drinkers who will spend like $500. Tell me a $500 bottle of wine tastes any different than a $5, the five buck chuck you can get at fucking Trader Joe's. You know, you're living a lie. And they are doing that. But like George Costanza in that Seinfeld we talked about, they're comfortable yeah. in this lie, Steve. And not only that, while they're sipping that sherry, they're like, fuck, man. You know, we're the descendants of thieves and whores. But, you know, I did read this story about this author in New York City who had sex with a French or with a Russian prostitute. So maybe we're related to that author and they still, they keep that fire, the flame. It, it almost died, Steve, but they, they kept it. They, it's, it's still burning. They might still be a little bit classy. You know, they're still trashy, but there might be a little classy in there. You know, we got a little something to run with here. <laughs> yeah. It's not, the dream isn't completely dead. It's, they got all, everything's in there, maybe except a hand, but you know, maybe. But they're going to keep swilling that sherry. They're going to keep eating that caviar. And they even, you know, they got Daphne to even feel like maybe they got a maid. So at this, at the end of the day, Steve, these guys are still living that lifestyle. They're still one of the elite class of Seattle. But even those elite classes, there's a few um, weak links in the chain. And uh, I think beyond everything else, Steve, I think we can all thank Daphne for just looking as sexy as an Englishman, English woman can, you know, I don't know many English women, uh, but I feel like she's got, she's right at the top of the list. And, and all was forgotten by the closing credits. She gave us a tap, a table dance. Uh, it's about as tame as NBC can allow in the nineties. Uh, but 
she looked like this and she was on a table and she was doing some shit. She was body. doing enough yeah. for Niles, you know, his Niles, he was just having a daydream in the midst of a, he was a sherry drunk all about to black out, but he clearly has his, he's still in love with Daphne and we're getting to the point where he almost loses her, Steve. Once you see what Donnie looks like, I, you know, you know, he's a Jewish lawyer in the show and I, yeah. I don't want to sound anti-Semitic. I'm not, but I just got to say, as far as he is the most ugliest lawyer you can think of. And he also was in true romance as an ugly agent. So that guy, another King of the nineties, he, but he let Daphne just go through his fingers in a very funny way. When that happens, they get to the wedding, Steve. They get to the wedding and Niles is like just right at the last second snags Daphne out of disaster and pulls her out of the wedding. But Donnie. Oh, so he does it to Wayne Wayne. That's what Dwayne Wayne did to Whitley. Basically, wow. they, I didn't even maybe they stole that, but that's what happens. But before they we even get to the wedding, Daphne. Thank you. And, you know, I'm not classy in any way but i just gotta say steve i get it i get wanting to feel like you come from something it's hilarious that they don't they're just thieves and whores and psychiatrists i guess you know i mean you could pretty up anything i'm from sandusky ohio uh where uh roamers and people who like looking at the sky the best people who look at the sky in in the world yes you could like you could just embellish it's america's roller coast steve so america's I mean. rocking roller coast <laughs> oh but this is another for good fraser episode there was like a three to pick from but i think we picked three. the best one for uh this date so shout out kelsey shout out nile shout out the fraser crane crew because i want to hang out and i want to watch antiques roadshow with them veneer now you know who probably didn't watch this episode of Frasier in 1999 on November 11th, Matthew. I'm, I'm worried. Who? Probably voice actress Mary Kay Bergman. Uh, she was born in 1961 and she died on November 11th, 1999. Uh, she did some work. Yeah, Mary Kay Bergman. She did some work with South Park. Uh, that was some of her most recent work. Uh, and I'm assuming these were some of the characters that she voiced. Uh, Damn. With the exception of Cartman, I I don't know. Maybe she was the earliest voice of Cartman. I don't think that's the case, but I thought like, but, it's crazy she did all that. And she, man, that's crazy. I didn't know that. I didn't know they lost one. Yeah, and by this time, I think South Park's in their second season, 1999. I wonder how that like they just got somebody else to replace her then. I guess because I don't remember a drop off, and the voices don't seem to have changed at all. So, no. Uh, I mean, me and you can replicate a couple of those voices. Actually, I think we what? have. What? Yeah. Uh, now, any callbacks, honorable mentions, or takeaways, Matthew? I mean, I just gotta. Sh- I just want to apologize to Mystical for not remembering his songs and his greatness. Uh, but I just, I don't have a lot other than to say it's good to be back, Steve. We we had a little lull in recording, but 
Uh, very much looking forward to being in the new studio when we get into our apartment, but it is good to see you and it is good to be back in the 90s. I love it. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you made it safe, man. Uh, you know, escape that uh, being John Malkovich scene <laughs> that you are recording from. Uh, I'm looking forward to the, the new setup and everything, man. And uh, I feel like I'm a little rusty, man. Uh, when you're sitting on ice for a while, it's like, oh, man, I forgot how to jump shoot. Yeah. Um, and now in 1991, Designing Women is airing uh, Just Say Doe. And I'm only mentioning that because the the old lady, I can't call her name. She does. The, she just breaks out randomly into this like old Negro spiritual in front of Meshach Taylor. And it was just hilarious. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. It happened in 1991. It's Designing Women, Just Say Doe. Uh, but on that same day, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is airing the episode Cased Up. Uh, and cameo alert, it's Malcolm Jamal Warner, uh, Theo Huxtable himself. Oh, shit. The same, yeah, uh, the Cosby show is still running rampant. It's 1991, uh, and he does a little uh, guest appearance as uh, one of Hillary's boyfriends, who's a lawyer. Um, he, and he gets sued by Will um, because I think he hits Will's car. But yeah, really, I really cool. Oh, episode. I do. Okay, I remember. I think I remember. I loosely remember that episode. I mean, shout out Malcolm Jamal Warner. Yeah, we haven't man. talked about him enough in this show. I feel like we've we've been Malcolm Jamal Warnerless, and I'm sad. Yeah, we have. Yeah, man, he's, he's one of my favorite Huxtables. Uh, and in 1993, in Living Color, they're airing the, uh, episode 110. And uh, the Wanda's search for her baby daddy continues. And this is the episode where Barry Bonds cameos. Uh, she breaks into his limousine and she's just like, man, who is this person? Like, lady, I, I've never seen you before. Uh, and I think this carries on throughout the season, looking for her baby daddy. Okay. Uh, but yeah, and about that 95 Saturday Night Live, this is the first airing of the the bug attack uh parody with will ferrell and uh what was the actual name of it bug attack i don't remember that uh, it's it's the skit where they go into detail about how they eradicate their house of like roaches and stuff and then like they go step by step and how they like separate the the arms from the oh the, yeah it's the, it's, it's, it's that the one. trap thing right it's yeah it's like yeah. a trap yeah and this Hell is their yeah. first time of that yeah <laughs> we shove poison in its mouth so it can it's really it's like a 3d rendering of the shit you see hell yeah Bug off. hell yeah this one that's hilarious i do remember that <clears throat> shout out to all snl commercials because in the 90s that was one of my favorite things that that uh the phil hartman one where it's like a a brand cereal and it's like called colon blow i think colon and, blow yeah, yeah. <laughs> hell yeah hell yeah because they would rerun some of these and this is one of them Oh, it's a classic one. I mean, a lot of those, they they even had like a VH. I probably have it in one of these cupboards someplace, but it was like a compilation of all their commercial, like that, Bassomatic, all the hits, all the hits. Yeah, man. Now, uh, as always, please check out our sister shows, Over the Culture, every Sunday, and Crushgasm with Kendra every Wednesday. Uh, and our buddies at B3F every Monday, their audio comes out, and Wednesdays their video comes out. This is Steve G, Mad G, with Happen in the 90s. Ah, get your hand out of my pocket, motherfucker! Get out of my way, bitch!